All right, we're not messing around on this Thursday morning. Good Thursday morning to you live at Grand Park. It is Kevin Bowen. It is Mark Dykton filling in from a – Jake Query will be sleeping until noon today, oh, right? for sure. Hey, right, Marcus, 100%. he is – uh, back from Wrigley, saw Bruce Springsteen up there last night. But uh, to begin today's show, um, the guy that is sitting with us right now, I've labeled him as the Colts player that has, um, I don't know, made a name for himself. Maybe he would take offense to that. But I would say you have done a whole lot for you this offseason. That would be Daryl Baker Jr. First off, Daryl, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Thank you for joining us at the crack of dawn. And I forget if it was Zaire Franklin in the booth next to us a couple days ago, but someone asked about you. They said the name Daryl, and all of a sudden Zaire's like, you mean DJ? <laughs> so it, you, you've, you've become a household name. So for our fans out there, Colts fans out there, Daryl or DJ, what do you prefer? Uh, we could, Let's go with Daryl, man. A lot of people call me DJ, but not too many people know my real name is Daryl, so – Okay, so we're going with going with Daryl. Yes, sir. Um, how would you assess your offseason so far? Again, I feel like, and, and given the depth chart, I think we all knew cornerback reps were pretty wide open. You've entrenched yourself since the spring. You continue to do that through nine practices out here. How would you evaluate the offseason you've had so far? Uh, i say I've been pretty consistent, man, just uh, progressing each week and over time, just earning that trust uh, from my brothers and uh, my coaches and all of that. But, yeah, consistency is the biggest thing I could say. You seem to be relishing the opportunity of getting some starter reps, and then the preseason depth chart came out, and there you are right at the top. How's that feel? Uh, it feels pretty good, man. But like I always say, I just take it with a grain of salt, just keep improving day by day, man. Just anything I could do to contribute to the team, I'm just going to do it because, you know, it's all about winning at the end of the day. So I'm just having fun with it. Again, Daryl Baker Jr. is with us here for Colts fans coming out to training camp, number 39. Um, again, an outside corner that is certainly going to run with the first unit, especially in that nickel package. You know, when they go three three corners, he is a part of that. Um, a little bit of your background. Born in Panama. Mm-hmm. Played at Georgia Southern. Mm-hmm. Um, practice squad last year. What else am I missing on the George, or on the Daryl Baker Jr. background that you think fans should should know? Uh, walk on in college. Really? Yes, sir. Okay. Walk on zero scholarship opportunities. Um, have six siblings, so Ooh. it's a lot of us. Um, also have a kid on the way as well. Yes, we were chatting before the show started. Now Mark's got three daughters. Three daughters. I've, I've got a daughter. And a boy that'll be one, actually, I think a month from today, if I'm doing the math right. Um, you guys are welcoming a boy in, you said, in November? Yes, sir. And uh, you were giving us a little bit of a rundown. Um, if you don't mind sharing, the due date falls with what game on the Colts schedule? Uh, it's going to fall while we're in Germany playing the Patriots. So it's going to be – it could be tough trying to make that birth of the baby <laughs> depending on when he decides to come. That will be a hell of a commute <laughs> if that happens. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Can, uh, can we red-eye Daryl back uh, for that? <laughs> now, the bye week is the next week, and I am the last person to tell your girlfriend – what is her name? Jade. I'm the last person to tell Jade, can we hold off maybe a couple yeah, days to right. get to the bye week? But if we are talking about it, I think that would probably be the best thing for you guys. And obviously, congratulations on welcoming in thank your first you, child. Thank you. I pray, I pray he comes on the bye week, but not <laughs> the day before the game or on the game because that's a 13-hour flight. So <laughs> that, is, that is no joke. Mark, well, what advice would you have? I, uh, I, I, would, I would say with kids, uh, nothing is on schedule. So <laughs> you're, on your, you're on your own time usually when yeah. they get going. So. Good luck to you. I hope it falls on the on the bye week as well, but kids have a schedule of their own. And I always said 
said this to Maddie, my my wife. I'm like, okay, what did we do last night that got them to sleep? Uh-huh. And, and then it's like we just kind of look at each other. We're like, oh, we have no idea if that worked or not. <laughs> oh, I, I got up this morning to come out here, and I see my daughter that was laying by me ended up in the living room. The Switch is out. The Nintendo Switch is out, and she had like a chair. I'm like, what? <laughs> you were in bed. What happened? Yeah, I, so I don't know how long she yeah, was. She Rosie, was an all-nighter, I think. Rosie had two stints in oh, bed with man. us last night. So good luck uh, on that. I, I am curious. You know, practice squad last year, you joined the team in September. Is Correct. that right of last season? So Arizona was your original stop. Came here in September. I don't think fans have a great grasp of, like, what is life on the practice squad like? So, you know, as best you can describe, what was your weekly daily routine last year i know you got called up late in the year to play a couple of games but what is a normal practice squad week like um essentially you're doing everything that you know the rest of the team is doing and all of that uh you know you may not be practicing with the ones or the twos but you're giving the offense or defense looks for the week that they're going to be seeing in the game um and you know you just really have to stay ready all week because you're in those same meetings and all of that so Really nothing is too much different. It's just you giving them looks and on game day you may or may not suit up. So you are part of the scout team each week. Is that right? So you're you're giving the starting offense whatever look that they're getting getting Correct. ready for? Okay. Um, hardest receiver to go up against? Um, I would say week in, week out for me it's been Alec Pierce just because he's given me so many different things. And, you know, I always try to challenge him myself. I don't want to give him the same look because – uh, if I'm going to be giving him a look, why not make him better? But also, why not get better for myself? Who's the best trash talker? Um, that's really hard to say because I don't really hear anything. I can tune out a whole lot of things. I feel easily. like the shorter guys talk more trash. Oh, Isaiah McKenzie. I, I, I was going to say. <laughs> Isaiah McKenzie for sure, man. He will come at you like for no reason. Like You won't even expect it, but I just kind of laugh it off and wave him off. <laughs> what is it about Alec? I think he's had a pretty good camp out here obviously we saw last year even as a rookie you know he can make a big play in a blink of an eye what is it about him that makes him so difficult um he has deceptive speed for sure that he can actually move and get in and out of his breaks is probably like something that you really don't expect from him unless you just really watch a whole lot of film but he's to me he's like really really sneaky good and like he can get those deep balls down the field the jump ball his size and his frame and I like him a lot as a receiver. Can Daryl Baker Jr. is with us. The sun's starting to rise here at Grand Park. We'll see. They're taking a little look on the field right now. We'll have to see if the Colts go indoors or outdoors today. Obviously, a ton of rain in the Indian Westfield area from last night. So we'll continue to monitor that throughout the day. Um, I know we're a month away, actually a month away today from the start of the regular season. Has it hit you yet that, you know, you – could be playing a starting type role I mean last year it was mainly special teams when you got got called up I mean it's a hell of a story to have gone from an undrafted free agent not really playing as a rookie to now all of a sudden when you guys play Jacksonville week one you could be out there for 70 80 percent of the snaps um I don't want to say it hit me it's kind of like like I always say I prepare like a starter so it's in my head is like I'm gonna expect it in a sense because I've been working so hard and all of that and you know everything I've been doing out here at payoff during week one or week 12, whatever it is. So I'm just going out there and just going to play my game, do what I can for the team, contribute in any type of way. So as you're heading into the preseason opener, how much playing time, if given the choice, would you like heading into the preseason opener? Uh, as much as they give me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you I play the want... full game if they offered it to you? Yeah, if I got to play the full game, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Smart answer there. Yeah, yeah. Um, born in Panama, um, you moved here at what age? 
Uh, I probably say when I was a couple months old, maybe like two or three months. Oh, what, old, really? Yeah, I moved uh, to Savannah, Georgia, from Panama City, Panama. Okay. So yeah, my family. Well, my parents are military, so gotcha. right after that we came to Georgia, and essentially I've been there all my life. And then walk on at Georgia Southern. Did how much football did you play in high school? Why? Why do you think you didn't earn a scholarship? Um, you know our our school is pretty small. It's in the country. Um, not too many people make it out for really any type of sports from there so it's a little harder to get recognition and then we we had average seasons one winning season and all of that so you know that plays a part as well and yeah best restaurant from georgia you wish you could bring to indy right now Ooh, best Ooh. restaurant mm-hmm. that's tough it was a place up in atlanta called joy's cafe that i tried a while back one time and then like i don't know what happened to the place or whatever but that was like some of the best food. Joy's ever Cafe. Had. Yes. Okay. All right. Isn't that great? I mean, like you, you know, just the one experience. That's all you need right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We need a Joy's Cafe right off here, yeah. off of 32. Well, Daryl, I, I know you got a busy morning. I appreciate you waking up with us and coming by. And again, I, I don't think there is a Colts player on this roster that has um, helped himself more in this off season. So congrats on that. I know it's still a long, you, long ways you. to go for you. Uh, good luck on Saturday, and uh, certainly good luck a week from or a month from today when you guys open up the season. Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys. Daryl Bay. Baker Jr. right there with us. Again, Mark, for fans that are coming out here, number 39 for the Colts. And you've watched him out here in camp. Kenny Moore, Dallas Flowers, him. I think if you're going to go play tomorrow, that would be your uh, be your nickel grouping. Absolutely. And you're on the prayer list for the uh, bye week. <laughs> yes. So good luck yes. to you. Yes. Thank thank you. And, you. As and is Jade. Jade as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jade is certainly on the, uh, on the prayer list. Yeah, I, I can't imagine being in Germany, Mark. Oh, man. Man, we appreciate you guys. <laughs> Good <laughs> luck. Thank you, Daryl. Thank you for the time. So the Colts, again, practice day number 10 out here at Grand Park. And it looks like – thanks, man. I appreciate it. It looks like there could be some chatter about an indoor practice. We'll continue to keep you updated on that. Again, nothing official from the Colts. They just had a meeting out here. What was, I don't know. Mark looked like there was about 10 or 12 people taking a look at the field. It is quite soggy. If we're, if yeah. we're being honest today, it is quite soggy out Everyone here. in our listening market could uh-huh. have felt the rains yeah. that we got, particularly late yesterday. You know, when you think about it, the Colts had the off day yesterday. So they have had to go, go inside a couple of times here at Grand Park. It is supposed to be a 10 a.m. start time to practice, the final 10 a.m. start time. Uh, but when, once we get official word, because I know that obviously limits the attendance that can be inside, we will let you know. What are we? It's inside? It's inside. We've been told. Okay. We will we will continue to monitor things and uh once we uh get the old press release sent out, we will inform the audience. But typically when they have gone inside, that limits it to seven hundred and fifty fans. Uh you get a wristband right outside the indoor facility up here at Grand Park, first come, first serve on that. And and Mark, I, I feel like we're starting to get to the point of camp where the crowds are a little bit smaller. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously that'll change with the Bears coming next week for the joint practices. Uh, but for today and and on Tuesday, um, I think that's when you get a little bit of a smaller practices yeah. with you know kids continuing to go back to school. Schools are back in session for sure. I mean, my daughter's already been back almost a week now already. It's crazy. So yeah, schools are getting set, but obviously those Bears night practices those will be the big the big money ones where you're hoping that those don't get moved indoors for any reason because the, they should be massive crowds for both of those practices for sure. I'm sure Jake would love this, but you know I was talking with someone the other day and that you know last year some of the issue here was a lot of slipping on these practice fields. Chris Bauer was none too pleased with that um so they actually put in bermuda grass in the offseason here on these practice fields for all of our agronomy 
experts out there. Uh, and that's really helped. I, I think through the first nine practices, I can't recall too many guys slipping and giving out. And, and you've unfortunately seen some big injuries in past years. Um, and, and, you know, were those field conditions related or not? Who knows to be, to be sure. But so far, um, the Colts have been pretty quiet on that end. Obviously, there are some guys nicked up. Um, but that has been something that they've been a little bit better about or I should say have been I, I can avoided s- this year. And I can see with these weather conditions why they would move it inside because you don't want to, especially with the preseason over a few days away, you don't want to have any injuries due to the weather and the field conditions. Again, he is Mark Dykton. I am Kevin Bowen. We are live here in Westfield. It is practice day number 10. Thank you to Daryl Baker Jr. who joined us there right out of the gate. Um, as I told him and, and said, I, I think he has had a very important offseason and probably you know he's benefited from no Julius Brents, no Darius Rush for such big chunks of the offseason here and he is I think taking kind of a, a, a stranglehold on that third cornerback spot which is really important uh, certainly in today's NFL when you're playing nickel and, and, and all of that so um, he's a guy that's helped himself out greatly and Mark you were alluding to Saturday and the preseason opener you know, it's funny I went back and looked at last year's preseason opener I kind of forgot how much the Colts played their starters. Uh-huh. I knew that they did, but you know they had played their offensive guys. We're talking Matt Ryan. We're talking the starting O-line. We're talking Michael Pittman. Played them about 20 snaps, which I think for most people, most teams, that is more than normal. Buffalo, for example, the opponent last year in the preseason opener, didn't play their starters at all. Even the defensive guys for the Colts got out there a good amount. And I'm curious this, Mark. You look at the preseason schedule. You've got three games. Saturday, Buffalo. Next Saturday, Chicago. The Thursday after that, you got Philly. You just mentioned those joint practices. You have joint practices leading into the Bears. You've got a joint practice leading into the Eagles. Typically, teams don't play their starters much, if at all, in the games following the joint practices. So does that mean we see more run for the Colts starters on Saturday given the fact that there aren't joint practices leading into that game. I, I don't know. I'm just simply posing that question. It's something I'll probably throw to Shane Steichen here after practice today. But I do think we could get to a point on Saturday afternoon and be like, hey, we might see the starters a little bit longer than, again, most teams operate. Yeah, that's a good point because, I mean, they even say leading into joint practices, they treat those almost as the preseason games themselves because you're getting a lot of reps from first teams, starters going on starters and all that stuff. So I can totally see where Anthony Richardson gets a little more rope uh, heading into this preseason opener than he would in the next two. And especially with only three preseason games now instead of four, the three, the third was always the kind of the dress rehearsal for the regular season. Now it's kind of up to the team to decide when the dress rehearsal of the preseason kind of is. So could that be the first game against Buffalo? We'll see. But that makes a lot of sense that they would maybe give their starters a little more run than they would normally in these next two after the joint practices. And again, we did just get official word, this is from the Colts, that today's practice will be moved indoors uh, due to poor field conditions. So that is the update from the Colts. Um, disappointing, certainly, for people that you know were planning to come out. Again, it's 750 fans allowed indoors. So um, I, I wouldn't have guessed attendance would be, you know, whatever, four or 5,000 today. So hopefully a good chunk of people that were wanting to come to practice can still do that. Um, but, yeah, 10 a.m. start time. And, again, we got so much rain last night. Oh, a ton. I mean, our, our, our backyard is flooded yeah. right now. And even when I was walking in this morning, walking, I was like, yeah, my shoes are getting a bit sloppy. And I was just walking out on the field a little bit when we first got here. And I'm like, 
This doesn't look too great for playing conditions. Unless they have the vacuum going full blast, as they have uh, on previous remotes here, I, I could see them moving it indoors. And, you know, 15 minutes in the show, we get word that it's indoors today. Have we gotten word on Jake Query on last night? I have not. I didn't get any texts. I didn't oh, get any yeah. videos. I was curious to see if, like, Bob Kravitz crowd surfed at some point. I, agreed. I, yeah. I didn't uh -huh. get any word from that. So kind of curious. I wonder if they, like, slept at Sluggers or something like that, or they fell asleep at the Cubby Bear last night, and they never even made it out of Chicago. Now, they must have avoided the the rain maybe yeah i, I mean from a midwest standpoint yeah i, mean, I don't there was a ton of rain yesterday yeah i don't know if there was a ton of rain up in chicago but obviously it all came this way for sure but uh yeah no word on jay query so i'm assuming he's home probably sleeping until four in the afternoon today yes i, I would agree uh, i think once the sun starts to set that's when jake will wake up and start his thursday he will be back with us tomorrow as we will be in studio to round out the week and obviously it's a busy weekend for jake and and everyone out there at over at ims hopefully the weather can cooperate the rest of the weekend. It is a busy schedule um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with Brickyard Week here. Um, Mark, to add insult to injury, if you are a Reds fan right now, losing yesterday speaks for itself, but how about their former pitcher, uh -huh. Michael Lorenzen, I was, throwing a no-no yesterday? <laughs> I was going to ask you that, uh, what your thoughts were, because obviously Michael Lorenzen what, spent the first seven years of his career with the Cincinnati Reds, and he you know, spent the first part of this season with the Tigers, gets traded at the deadline to the Phillies, and boom, 7-0, no-hitter. Right out of the gate. That, that's probably something where you're excited for the guy, but you're also like, man, that's a kick in the you-know-what. Oh, yeah, I'm not excited for him whatsoever. <laughs> I, I'm certainly just a Seneca Reds fan right now. Four walks for him, 124 pitches. How about uh, that, though, that, that the manager let him stay out there with I, that well, pitch count? That's good I on him. I've said this to you before, Mark. I think if you have a no-no or a perfect game, you cannot be allowed to be removed from the game. Yeah. If your right arm is tired and you're a righty, you start throwing it left-handed. Well, or, I was, I was or you throw it underhanded I, for all I can. I was keeping an eye on that pitch count. I'm like, man, are they going to leave him out there? And they did, and good for them because, I mean, I'm sure he wouldn't have wanted to come out either if he had a no-no going and you take him out at like 115 pitches or whatever. So. And on the flip side of it, if you give up more than six rounds in the first three innings, you should have to stay in for the yeah. rest of the game. Uh -huh. Let's keep on serving up batting practice. I mean, the, the Reds-Cubs game, game would still be going on if that was the case, <laughs> the 20-run game. Uh, I saw the Nationals, who were the victim last night. They are the last Major League Baseball team to be no-hit. Mm -hmm. So they had yet to be no hits, obviously, you know, from a franchise standpoint. It's not like they've been around too, too long. But Michael Lorenzen had only one scoreless start through seven innings in his career. And there you go, Reds fans, just salt meat wounds. So did you see uh, Kareem Hunt around here yesterday, or would he have been at West 56? Because obviously a deal never came to fruition yesterday. We got word Correct. that Kareem Hunt yeah. was meeting with the Colts, and uh, a deal. He left Indianapolis without a deal being struck. They actually did end up signing another running back and a tight end as well. They signed Hunt. a guy named Hunt Lee, right? Yeah, Hunt Lee. So okay. maybe maybe that was the issue. Is they went on the Rolodex and they said, "Oops, wrong guy. We meant to call Hunt Lee." Yeah, Jason Huntley, and you know I think I mentioned this yesterday on the show, Mark. The Colts, frankly, they just need bodies, period, at running right. back right now. When we were out here for practice on Tuesday, they had four healthy running backs participating. Deion Jackson was out due to an undisclosed injury. The four running backs, two rookies, one a fifth-round pick in Evan Hall, one an undrafted free agent in Xavier Scott. Uh, the um, Jake Funk would be, I guess, your second-most experienced running back of the quartet. Uh, he has two carries in his NFL career. And then Kenyon Drake, who this time last week – wasn't on in the mm -hmm. NFL roster. So, you know, Huntley, former fifth-round pick, was with Shane Steichen the last couple of years in Philly or has spent time in, in, in Philly. So, you know, you have a little bit of a connection there. 
hasn't done much in the league, but you know, I kind of view that more as a camp body. That's how it, I viewed it too. <laughs> he is not the Cream Hunt. No, Cream Hunt is not a camp body. I wouldn't say, but but this guy, I mean, what seventy yards total in his career, eighteen career carries. So uh, you look at that depth chart now, and what looked pretty pretty touch and go on the depth chart for running back a week ago, all of a sudden they've got like a, a half dozen guys on there now. So they've got plenty of guys heading into the preseason and kind of see who makes. Who makes hay in the in the preseason? We'll you know, Mark. This might sound like a pretty outlandish statement, but I view a day three draft pick for the Colts going into Saturday's preseason opener as a guy that needs to be put in bubble wrap pretty early. Mm-hmm. Evan Hall cannot get hurt. No, I mean, like all of a sudden, the fifth round pick out of Northwestern is vital, and, and you know, could be a guy playing 30, 40 snaps week one. Yeah, depending on how things shake out here over the next month. And again, I've never said that about a day three rookie heading into the preseason over. Usually those are the guys that play the most in games like that. Um, one thing on the Kareem Hunt front, Mark, and we can get into this as the show moves along, and I don't need to rehash where my feelings are about Kareem Hunt off the field. I think I made those pretty clear yesterday. But I think a question needs to be asked of, like, is Kareem Hunt good? I don't know. Like I said, we went over statistics yesterday that his his production, I mean, his average yards per carry dropped 1.1 yards from 2021 to 2022. So we went from 4.9 to 3.8. So that alone tells you that there's a bit of a drop-off going on. And I just, is the juice worth the squeeze? That's what I always say with these free agent deals. And for me, a Kareem Hunt signing would not be, the juice would not be worth the squeeze with that one. I mean, just the PR. analogy. Just the, what, are you saying I'm like crossing over with? The juice Stuff. and the squeeze. I have yeah. so, so I've heard that similar analogy for Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. Some members of the Colts scouting staff have said you don't need to get all of the juice out. Like he's got so uh-huh. much in there that you're good. I mean, as long as you just get a little bit of it out, um, you're going to have a guy that can be big play potential for you. Well, in Kareem Hunt, I just see like the other running backs that are available on the open market right now. I'm like. There's got to be a less a headache than what Kareem Hunt would bring your franchise. And I just don't see why that would even have been a consideration to bring him in in the first place where it's like, you know this is going to get out that you're meeting with him and just the headache that's going to come with it. And if you sign him... And you made an offer. Right. Based and, off and the reports not, yeah, not only did you make an offer, you apparently outbid the Saints for his services. Again, a deal has not been struck yet that we know of. He left Indianapolis without one. But that was what brought him off the Saints field and to Indianapolis is because he heard that they were going to offer him more money. And I think the, his last contract was with the Browns for two years, $12 million. So I'm curious what that contract would have looked like. Um, reports out in New Orleans were that the, the Colts offered less incentive-driven money and would have been more up front. So curious what that would have looked like had that come to fruition. And, and again, I could not agree more with your you know headache and, and obviously hunt off the field. And I know that stuff that you know certainly – we hit on a whole lot yesterday, but just speaking in football terms, Mark, a 28-year-old running back that just averaged 3.8 yards per carry behind a very good offensive yeah. line. Cleveland's, mm-hmm. I mean, look at look what Nick Chubb does on an annual basis. Chubb's obviously a great running back, but their line is really, really good. That, to me, doesn't scream good running back. No. Or someone that, you know, someone all on the of a sudden you bring in and he becomes your, your bell cow for you. I was looking at it yesterday. Um, there were more than 160 players in the NFL last year, Mark, that had a better yards per carry than Kareem Hunt. 
<laughs> so let's let's do the math there. Thirty-two teams, correct? Mm-hmm. So one hundred and sixty. What is that? Uh, about four-ish guys yeah. per team. So you literally had four players per team, per team have a better yards per carry than Kareem Hunt. So I, I putting that's full depth charts for all teams put, right there. Kicking a woman, put all of suspended for eight games, lied about, put all of that to the side because clearly the Colts are doing that right. if they're willing to make an offer. If you're just talking in football terms. I don't see it. No. No. Yeah. I mean, and again, you look at the open market and you're like, well, those guys have had better careers and better tw- last seasons than, than Kareem Hunt has. Why haven't they given them a call and stuff? you got guys like Ezekiel, Dal- Dalvin Cook. Now, obviously, those are guys that are more like tier one, tier two running backs. I don't know if the, the Colts are willing to pay that, obviously, with the Jonathan Taylor situation, or if they're just looking for a guy that can fill in for a few games and they get it sorted out here and there. I don't know, but... Yeah, but yeah, there's plenty of guys out there. There's plenty of fish in the sea, as they say, when it comes to free agent running backs. I guess you could have some fish on this practice field right now. It is a wet one at Grand Park. Again, for those that missed the announcement about 10 minutes ago, practice being moved indoors. Mother Nature, pretty unkind here in the central Indiana region yesterday, really all day yesterday, but particularly yesterday evening. Uh, tons and tons of rain. Right at the start of the show, as we were interviewing Daryl Baker Jr., the Colts had members of their operations staff and, and football and medical team out here looking at the field, uh, trying to see if conditions would be uh, whatever suffice enough to have practice out here. They deemed that not to be the case, so they will go indoors for practice number ten. Again, that limits attendance to 750 people. Uh, wristbands will be handed out. Complimentary parking, by the way, in Lot C. So Lot C is where you want to go if you are planning to come up here for Colts practice. Uh, Again, 10 a.m. start time. And uh, this is really, we're getting to the final couple of practices, period, up here. Uh, But there's a morning session on Tuesday, and then the joint sessions are already sold out next week with the Bears Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, Mike Chappell, he's going to join us coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Mark, you dialed up Field Yates for us, correct? Yes, he will wrap the show with us, so we'll get a little bit of a national perspective from Field Yates. Maybe, Maybe a couple fantasy questions. I, I definitely Field. have some fantasy questions. We, it's that time of year. we got drafts coming up. You better not have drafted yet, is all I'm saying. No, no, hell no. Somebody no, told me they had no. a draft at the end of July. I'm like, that uh, is that, insanity. That is absurd. That is no. insanity. No, 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 no. You, yeah, yeah. You cannot do that. No. As if your wife needs to hate you even more. I mean, no. Come on. I thought you just did a baseball draft. What do you mean there's fantasy football now? What's so bad about waiting in between? I mean, there's like a, what, 10, 14-day gap from the final preseason week to the first start yeah, of the game? I mean, game? I, I, I've done a fantasy league that I run myself with my brothers and wives, girlfriends, all that stuff, and friends just the, among the family. We've done that. We always do it the week of the season opener. So okay. we do it like yeah. the Monday, yeah, Monday before. Or Tuesday. That I way like all that. the preseason yeah. is done. Yeah. You know who's on the roster. Labor you know Day, in, Monday. You know who's you injured, all that stuff. Yeah. That's when you do it. Not okay. in July. Come on now. No. no. That's absurd. And we are going to be doing our fantasy league, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, we will. Yeah, we will renew that thing. Uh, we want full participation again. We'll give you some details on that. I know Jake was freaking out last year oh, when we God. were drafting during the 9 o'clock hour of the show. I thought it went pretty well. Yeah. I mean, he, his picks weren't that great, and obviously the final standing showed that we'll also do the pick'em league as well too uh throughout the season as well that was a big hit and we had a lot of fun doing that as well he is mark dykton i am kevin bowen again we are live here at grand park we'll certainly go over the colts first depth chart that has been released this week it is a game week on saturday afternoon uh any takeaways from that how much should the starters play coming up 
on Saturday. We'll preview that as well. Again, Mike Chappell in the 9 o'clock hour. Field Yates, one of our favorites from ESPN, also in the 9 o'clock hour. Um, a little update, by the way, Purdue basketball. They are overseas right now. We will touch on their first game in Germany. And again, the no-no last night in Major League Baseball, courtesy of former Reds pitcher Salt Meat Wounds, Michael <laughs> Lorenzen. Good Thursday morning to you. Jake Query is back from Chicago, but he's not going to be with us this morning. He is uh, deep into REM sleep. He'll be back with us in studio tomorrow. So I'm Kevin Bowen. He's Mark Dykden. Thank you to Cam. Thank you to Landon on site right here in Westfield. Sam Fritz back in studio. Kevin and Query here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. All right, we are live here at Grand Park on this Thursday morning. Unfortunately, for those wanting to see the Colts practice outdoors today, that is not going to be happening. They are moving indoors, certainly. I think everyone realizes tons and tons of rain last night in the Indy area. They made that decision right around 7 a.m., came out here, took a look at the fields, deemed the conditions to be, um, whatever, too uneasy, and they are now heading indoors for practice. So that will limit the attendance to 750 people. Again, you can park in Lot C up here at Grand Park, get a wristband. I believe they start passing those out around 9.30 or so. Um, and you've got complimentary parking in that Lot C. So uh, for those that were wanting to come up and see the Colts outdoors, you've got to head towards that indoor center in Lot C and get a wristband here for practice number 10. Baseball yesterday, the the Reds topped the – or fell to the Marlins 5-4. On top man, of that – I wish. On top of that insult to injury – Did you do that on purpose, by the way? <laughs> I, I think I did. On top of that, uh, former Reds pitcher Michael Lorenzen, now with the Philadelphia Phillies, threw a no-hitter against the Washington Nationals. Seven-nothing shutout there. Four walks, five strikeouts for him. Congratulations, Michael Lorenzen. You got that red stink off you, and you get traded to the Shut Phillies, a real yeah. contender. Pretty good and for the Cubs sudden, yesterday, Mark. Yeah, cu- Cubs lost their – first they'd won six series in a row uh, this is the first series loss in quite a while so that's okay they got an off day and then they'll, they'll get back at it uh, elsewhere what else do we got here the Cardinals topped the Rays the Rays kind of on a downswing all of a sudden they lost six to four to the Redbirds Brewers topped the Rockies seven to six in ten innings your A's in the win column yeah. two nothing shutout against the mighty Rangers here we come that was pretty good White Sox over the Yankees nine to two Blue Jays shut out the Guardians one nothing Obviously, Mets top the Cubs, 4-3, to three, move on. And the Diamondbacks, my Diamondbacks, fallen flat on their faces since the All-Star break. 2 nothing shutout against the Dodgers. And speaking of Mother Nature, Sam Fritz, who's back in studio today, you've got something planned at the Indians' doubleheader tonight, correct, Sam? Apparently not. Hey, I, I, apparently he, he, he does not have off. anything planned. He, he told us during the break, and I guess we'll just share this. So, again, no Indians game yesterday, Mark, right. due to the uh-huh. rain, of course. A doubleheader today, and Sam Fritz was saying that he's going to be interviewing Razor Shines That's coming a pretty, up. That's a pretty good get, I'd say. Very good get there. So, two today over at Victory Field as they are taking on Nashville. A couple other items. Sam's of- partaking in a beer bat right now, I'm convinced. <laughs> exactly. I mean, honestly, sounds like you after the Cubs mm-hmm. uh, won that series mm-hmm. over the weekend. Uh, fever back in action. They uh, have got home games coming up tonight and Sunday afternoon as well. I did want to mention this. Purdue basketball, they are over in Germany right now. They had their first game. You know, we, we see this with teams uh, taking international 
um, trips every, I think it's four years, the NCAA allows. So Purdue basketball in Munich yesterday, 88-71, the victory there. Braden Smith, uh, speaking of Westfield, 22 points, 12 assists. Trey Kaufman, Wren, 16-8. and eight. Brian Waddell, the Carmel product, who I know uh, certainly didn't have a, a starring role for Purdue or hasn't had one yet, but I think there's some people very intrigued by him in the program. He had 15 points. Mark, I keep on forgetting, we've talked about Tyrese Halliburton with Team USA. Uh-huh in the World Cup coming up here in a few weeks. Right now, Zach Eadie's with Team Canada, and they had their first exhibition game, I think, with Germany, ironically enough. So Edie is in Germany, uh, but not with Purdue. So I'll be curious to see it, you know, what type of role, if Edie carves out something with Team Canada, uh, but obviously a great opportunity for him as they look ahead to the Olympics coming up. Uh, next year from Paris. Last note report says, Cal and Stanford, TUACC, hits roadblocks. Yeah, they're probably like, wait a minute, we got to travel where? Yeah, when? Exactly. How uh, often? Yeah. Okay, let's let's table this for our, a second. Our 28-person softball team is yeah. going to go play in Boston College? Mm-hmm. Yeah. On I, a Tuesday? I, I don't really think that adds up to too much, but we'll obviously see the... Uh, how that plays out for those four Pac-12 teams that are kind of the uh, lame ducks right now with conference realignment. All right, on the other side, we'll get back into the Colts conversation. Uh, report they made an offer to Kareem Hunt. We'll touch on that in their first depth chart. It was released earlier this week. Any takeaways from that as we look ahead to Saturday's preseason opener in Buffalo? Okay, Jake Query will be back tomorrow. I'm Kevin Bowen. Mark Tyton alongside me here. Sam Fritz back in studio. Kevin and Query live from West field 93.5 the fan all right good thursday morning to you again jake query will be back with us tomorrow he is probably just humming glory days in his sleep right now as him and bob kravitz have returned from bruce springsteen last night do you think they had like a sleepover where he's just like bob come on by yeah bob uh there's enough room in boo's crate you can sleep in boo and i cuddle but you can have the couch Mm -hmm. yeah well a can of spaghettios with your name on it he's got a couple 15 year recliners didn't he tell us yeah yesterday Mm-hmm. Boy, the sun is just I'm getting beaming scorched right now. In Westfield, uh, unless you like went to bed at 4 p.m. yesterday in the afternoon, I think you probably have an idea of why the Colts have moved practice indoors. Tons and tons and tons of rain. Uh, field conditions just not in good enough shape here. And the Colts don't practice till Tuesday. So, you know, you allow the fields to get a handful of days um, to get back in shape. They will be indoors starting at 10 a.m. today. Again, the first 750 fans to show up. Um, can get into the indoor facility. Certainly the weather here, Mark, I did want to mention this, far, far different and much lesser scale than what we saw yesterday. Did you see some of those just awful, beyond awful pictures and videos from uh, Lahaina out in Maui? Yeah, Yeah. at first I didn't know what I was looking at, and then they're like, no, no, this is the aftermath of wildfires. Oh, my God. Um, Loss of life start there um you know north of 30 i believe i saw and and you know maddie and i did our um, honeymoon out there just an unbelievable part of the island of maui um, front street is a place that we absolutely love the old lahaina luau uh, was a staple for us i think it was honestly probably the last thing we did there we have such great memories from that and obviously i bring that up to certainly think about everybody out there but and again on a scale mark this ranks like a thousand compared to the loss of life but we brought up Purdue basketball they are in Germany uh, right now you know Purdue is scheduled to play in the Maui tournament now we'll obviously have to see again far far bigger issues Mm -hmm. um, in Lahaina right now but the Lahaina Civic Center is where that Maui tournament is typically played right around Thanksgiving weekend so 
Um, yeah, just awful, awful scenes from such an unbelievable place for our country, obviously out on the islands and, you know, tourism hotspot and I'm thinking about everybody on the island. Somebody posted like a picture of like a side by side and it's like what it normally looks like and what it looks like yeah. now. And it's terrifying. Yeah. Front Street, the Banyan Tree. Again, I mentioned Lahaina, or, um, Lahaina Luau. Um, yeah, Maddie didn't want me to go see the Lahaina Civic Center. She didn't think that deserved to be on oh. the on the, uh, on the trip. That got poo pooed so, on yeah. the uh, honeymoon. Like, well, you know, it's my honeymoon too. Notre Dame won the Maui, and Mike Bray took a shirt off one year. I, have, I was really hoping to go go see that. I need to do that myself. I yeah. need to show show my my fandom. I know she did not think that was too too important. Um, again, good Thursday morning to you. We are still live. In Westfield, looking out at the practice fields that will not be in use today. Mark, earlier this week, the Colts came out with their first depth chart of the 2023 season. And that is typical ahead of the preseason opener coming up on Saturday. I know we mentioned on the show yesterday, you brought up the or designation Uh in between Anthony Mm -hmm. Richardson and Gardner Minshew. For what it's worth, through nine practices, Richardson has taken – this is very unofficial, but I'd say around like 12 to 15 more reps than Minshew. And again, that is with Richardson missing that day due to his nasal septum surgery recovery. Um, anything else, whether it's that or anything else, kind of stand out to you from the Colts' first depth chart? Well, with the quarterback situation with the or designation, I, I would say that's fine. Uh, it's preseason, no big deal. You, you probably will split, split uh, you know, the reps with Martin Minshew and Richardson. I think the only other team that did that was the – Tampa Bay Bucks, and obviously they have a big drop-off at quarterback with Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. I feel like the or for that one's a little more comical because I can't imagine teams are like, uh-oh, is it going to be Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield? How do we determine how this is going to go? Whereas Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew have very different skill sets. Sure, from a um, game plan standpoint. Yeah. Right, right. Not not so much in Tampa. Uh, the other thing that stood out, uh, unless I'm reading this wrong, is, is it Isaiah McKenzie listed as wide receiver two? Or is it Alec Pierce? Yeah, I, so didn't they list three starting wideouts? Yes, so it's and, Michael Pittman Jr., Isaiah McKenzie, Alec Pierce. Yeah, I, I think what that just means is simply when they go to the three-receiver personnel grouping, which, again, is you know pretty popular in today's NFL, that Isaiah McKenzie would be a guy. And, and I think when you watch McKenzie and you watch Down, Josh Downs, they're similar in stature, but they're much different styles of wideouts. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Downs is going to be your traditional – insert slot receivers here you know hunter renfro and wes welker and julian edelman and and you know i i guess just because he tore up the colts i know he hasn't done much in the nfl but you know kiki kuti when he was with the texans i I think that will be downs his role and i think mckenzie's going to be a guy that they move around a whole lot Mm -hmm. someone said to me the other day mark out here and i forget who it was but watching the usage of mckenzie here at grand park it almost kind of looks like what I thought the Colts wanted to do with Naheem Hines, but they just never really got there. I mean, there were some moments where certainly Hines touched the ball in unique ways, but I feel like with McKenzie, they're doing it even more. Now, having said that, the big issue with McKenzie's career has been drops and has mm-hmm. just been ball security in general. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. But so far, I, I haven't really noticed many, if any, drops from him. And obviously, for an offense that's looking for – a little bit more big play potential, just a little bit more of here's the ball, you go do something with it in your hands. I do think McKenzie has a history of doing that in the league. Another one that stuck out to me was uh, Samson Ebicon, uh, number one on there for the de- de- defensive end, uh, topping Dio Adangbo and all that stuff. I don't, I don't know if you thought anything different than that. Obviously, you've been out here a lot more than I have, but have you noticed the, a, a big difference 
at the defensive end position. You know, the thing about Ebicon Marcus, he got hurt, I want to say it was either day one or day two of camp, and then missed whatever, uh, a week plus, with a hamstring injury. He was back on Tuesday. Um, but when you think back to March, you know, obviously the free agent moves the Colts made, one was for a kicker mm-hmm. that was notable. And really the only other one of, of significance, unless I'm forgetting somebody, was Ebukam of like, see you, Yanni Kangakwe. We want to have more of a three-down presence. We want to have a little bit more consistency as a rusher. I guess they're getting a little bit younger. Uh, I don't think a whole lot younger, but they are getting a little bit younger with that move. So based off what they handed him financially, I think it was like three years, right around $30 million if I'm not mistaken. That, to me, said he's going to be the starter mm-hmm. opposite Quiddy Pay. Now, of course, you rotate a whole lot with that group. And Tyquan Lewis is back to practice now. You mentioned Dio Dangbo. He was getting the reps when um, when Samson was out. But whether it's, you know, I guess kind of transitioning a little bit, Mark. When you talk about the years for Dio Dangbo and, and Quiddy Pay, I mean, just vitally important. Oh, yeah. Obviously, Richardson speaks for itself. And I think we've talked a decent amount about Bernard Ryman. But when you drafted Dio in round two, you drafted Quiddy in round one. You've swung and missed on so many edge rushers drafted in that area in the Chris Boward era. It would be so critical for the future of this team, particularly finding a guy defensively that you've been looking for really since Robert Mathis uh, hung it up a decade ago. Uh, those are some big time seasons because for Dio, it's year three of a four year yeah. deal. You know, he's in the Jonathan Taylor boat. He, he's reaching that critical year three uh, as a second round pick of a four year rookie deal. And for Quiddy Pay, it's year three of a five year deal. The Colts can throw on a fifth year if they want after the season. So those two guys, Mark, if we didn't have the Taylor saga, if we didn't have Shaquille Leonard doing the amount of work that he's done so far, if we didn't have the Anthony Richardson news, I think we'd be talking a little bit more about that storyline. But I don't think we should overlook that too much, considering how big of an issue that's been for the Colts no. over the last, you know, really decade. And I think, you know, DeForest Buckner is obviously the engine that moves that defensive line. But if you can get production out of Pay or a Dangbo and take some pressure off of Buckner, maybe that doesn't. Maybe that means less double teams for him, and that opens up the defense even more. So it's even more critical for this defense to get some production from their defensive ends, just so you take some pressure off of Buckner, and you can actually get some guys. You know, maybe more more threats on the quarterback and all that stuff. So Yeah, I'm not worried about the interior. I mean, right, Buckner right. And, and, um, and Grover Stewart I obviously speak for itself. And I think, you know, at times you throw Dio Dangbo in the interior, throw Taekwon Lewis in there as a rotational guy. I, I kind of like that makeup. Mm-hmm. It's more the edge of – Get some pressure there. Yeah, I feel like the plays we see off the edge, Mark, are like effort plays. And, and those are fine, and, and they're important over the course of a 17-game season, over the course of a four-quarter game. But I'd like to see more just like our dude whips your dude yeah. and gets in the like backfield. Like see some opposing tackles on their on their butts. Yeah. Knock them yeah, down, yeah, yeah. get to the quarterback, put some pressure there. I'd love to see it. Um, Anything I'd, stuck out to you? You know, I, I – Obviously, Daryl Baker making making first-team cornerback. That big props to him. Like you said, he's, take, he's taking the ball and run with it with the opportunities he's been given. So – Congrats to him, and you yeah. hope that he keeps that up. Obviously, that cornerback room needs somebody to solidify those cornerback positions heading into the season, and he's certainly taken the ball and ran with it. And let's stay there for just a second. We had Daryl Baker Jr. on, by the way, to start the show, and he's good with Daryl, right? Yeah, he said he that said or that. DJ, whatever we wanted. Okay, so yeah, I guess he's good with either, but to Daryl, it is fine. 
if the Colts were going to go play a football game tomorrow, Mark, and they came out in that nickel grouping, which, again, is three cornerbacks on the field, you'd have Kenny Moore, who I think has had a really nice camp. I know he's missed the past few days with an ankle injury, but I think uh, he had a really good first week plus. The other two corners on the field would be Daryl Baker Jr., who's never played a defensive snap in the NFL, Mm -hmm. and Dallas Flowers, who by uh, mid-December last year had never played a defensive snap in the NFL. I'd say it's pretty darn rare to have a nickel grouping be two undrafted free agents going into year two, and they have played very, very little defensive snaps in the league. So I – and a guy trying to find his, his footing again. Sure. Yeah, and, and Kenny Moore, arguably mm-hmm. the most disappointing Colt from last season. I'd say the other thing, Mark, depth chart-wise, tight end. I, I yeah. have no idea nope. how that tight end group is going to play out. We see them continue to sign tight ends. They signed another one yesterday along with the Hunt Lee guy. Yeah. They signed Ricky, a running Ricky back. Ricky Seals-Jones. Uh, yeah, he was the other tight end that they signed yesterday. They're pretty banged up. Tight end's probably the position they're most banged up at right now. Uh, Moali Cox is out. Uh, Will Mallory's been out. Jelani Woods has been out. Drew Ogletree and Kylan Granson. Ogletree was the darling of camp last year. Um, him and Granson seem to be the guys that have most frequently been with that first unit. But again, how that position group plays out the rest of the month, I think I will be keeping my eye on. On the other side, Matt Ryan. I know there was a lot of headlines in relation to his comments about the state of the 2022 Colts. I think we hit on that a little bit earlier in the week. He also had some interesting comments Jonathan Taylor related. He did that with Adam Schefter. I want to play some of that audio coming up here in the 8 o'clock hour. Again, you're going to hear the sounds of practice being moved from outdoors to indoors. So the equipment staff right now moving things indoors here at Grand Park. All the rain that we got last night, too much to have an outdoor practice today. So the 10 a.m. session is going to be inside. That means 750 fans is the max for the indoor practice coming up here. Practice number 10, the final one before they board a plane to go to Buffalo tomorrow. I am Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton is alongside Sam Fritz back in studio. You'll have Jake Query back in his normal seat coming up tomorrow as a big Brickyard weekend is upon us. Kevin and Query here live from Westfield, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. No sunglasses needed just yet. It did, the sun is behind the clouds. It's, it's Mark Dykton in for Jake Query. Kevin Bowen here. We're out at Grand Park at, Lucas, or at the Colts training camp. Practice moved indoors today. Obviously quite soggy after all the rain we got in the area yesterday. So they are busy moving practice indoors today. Uh, that'll be a bit, you know, complicated for those trying to get out here. What is the first 750 get in? Yeah, first 750. Again, lot C if you're heading up to Grand Park. You got some complimentary, complimentary parking in there. Uh, but, yeah, unfortunately, with all the rain that we got overnight, practice moved indoors for the Colts. Practice now, number 10 here. Now, did they leave the equipment outside? Because I saw a lot of wet mats that they were bringing in. Yeah, I mean, I think some of them, obviously, you got these sleds over here, like for the offensive linemen, that, you know, those are a little bit, I think, difficult to store and put inside here. Uh, you know, some of these throwing nets that you have here that you bring them out for the quarterback drills. I don't know how much of that that you were seeing moved also is like Colt City related, uh-huh. you know, kind of the. The fan oh, yeah, area. Oh, flag football area and all sure, that stuff. Sure, run the 40, you know, get your picture taken with the blue, et cetera, et cetera. These kids don't need dry mats. Leave them outside. No, hell no. That's not what the generation ahead of us We should. We should have brought a football. We could have kicked some field goals or something. Yeah, I have a feeling today with the wet conditions, we might get some Charlie Brown moments. Have a Martin Grammatica moment. <laughs> Make Bill, a 20-yard. Right? Yeah! 
Bill Grammatica, wasn't it? My hammy. Yeah, we could have that happen, too. Um, again, the Colts going indoors. It is a 10 a.m. start time. Uh, Mark, earlier this week, Matt Ryan made the media rounds. I think a lot of people saw the headline about the bleep show he described, the Indianapolis uh-huh. Colts in 2022. I don't want to go down that path, but I do want to go down the Jonathan Taylor path from Ryan. Um the audio you're about to hear is courtesy of Adam Schefter's podcast. Ryan went on that. Again, for those not knowing Matt Ryan's plans here, he's going to be a member of the CBS broadcast crew. Coming up this fall, him, is it Tiki Barber? It's Andrew Catalan, Matt Ryan, Tiki Barber, and I forget who the sideline girl is. But, yeah, a four-person four person team. So, any a little studio work as well, which uh-huh. we did see last year during the playoffs. Let's first play the clip, Sam. Um Matt Ryan, more on describing Jonathan Taylor as a player. Again, this was earlier this week with Adam Schefter. Man, it's hard, right? It's it's So I understand the climate of the league, right? Like I, I understand there's, there's just how the salary cap is set up, where you want to pay money, where you want to invest money, spend money, all of those things. Um, I understand – you know, the franchise tag and how that's applied and in certain ways, how it can be good for a player. But you look at the running back position. I was shocked when I saw this. I had no idea. Shocked when I saw that the running back position is the second lowest franchise tag to kicker and punter. It was wild, it was like crazy to me. Um, so i am been in the league 15 years, never even realized that. That's probably, yeah. it's changed, you yeah. know, since I've been in the league, but um but then I also know Jonathan as the player, right? And I don't think anybody would deny how great of a player he is and what kind of impact he brings to a team. Um, you know, so the the thing I would say is that a lot of times I think things are handled better behind closed doors uh, and, and just not getting it out there. Um, and, and so it's something that I always try to do as a player. So it's not me trying to say I would do things differently than I've always done in, in a certain situations. I just always felt like <clears throat> the uncomfortable conversations that needed to be had, the discussions about contracts, the discussions with owners, the owner's discussions with you, I always felt like that stuff was just better handled. Close the door, keep it tight, uh, and not let it get out. Yeah, I think the end of those comments, Mark, probably falls in line with some issues that Matt Ryan probably had with the organization uh-huh. last year. Yep. Um, and, and how things were were, were handled. Uh, anything else you know, kind of stand out to you from Matt Ryan's comments in relation to Jonathan Taylor? And I guess running backs in general. Around yeah, the league. I mean, just that the franchise tag is the third or the lowest behind kickers and punters. I mean, I'm sure that's probably shocking to a lot of quarterbacks because obviously you see the franchise tags that they'll get hit with and you're like, wow, these guys are sitting pretty. And then when you're seeing, you know, the guy who gets the ball second most outside of the quarterback get paid, you know, one of the lowest uh, franchise tags, you can see why running backs don't like the franchise tag because their position is being devalued. And with that, the contracts and the money that they're worth is getting devalued, and then you're seeing that with the franchise tag being reflected that it's one of the lowest in the NFL at positions. So um, I, I can see why he's a little bit shocked by it because I'm sure he's never had to deal with that. Uh, he's at the top position in the in the, all of sports. He's made his buttload of money, and <laughs> he looks at Jonathan Taylor. He's like, well, I could see why these guys are griping here, why Austin Eckler's complaining, why Saquon Barkley was saying what he was saying. It just it's how the position is viewed right now across the league. It's being devalued, and it's something that I think a lot of guys aren't aware of because when you're in that 
NFL bubble, maybe you're just worrying about your contract and this that. You don't worry. You don't talk contracts probably with with other players too much. But when you're on the outside looking in, you're like, oh, okay, I can see why guys are griping now. So I think that was kind of an interesting thing too that he had no idea until he kind of looked, you know, blow the surface a little bit and saw what he was actually what the gripes could be pertaining to running backs. Yeah, I do have to laugh at this one from Randy. Randy goes, you can tell Matt Ryan thinks Jim Mercer is a complete joke. Uh, I. I think that's probably an accurate statement there from Randy on Matt Ryan's a blank opinion show, so. via Jim Irsay. Uh, the, the franchise tag numbers, Mark, when you look at them, are pretty wild. Quarterback last year, $32 million. Mm-hmm. Then you get into a group of about five or six positions that are pretty much all jumbled together, like 18 to $20 million. You've got linebacker. I'm surprised linebacker is number two. I guess would they slot like edge rusher into linebacker? I don't know. That surprises me. Then you got wide out, and you got DN, you got D tackle, and you got O line and corner. Again, all those positions are kind of in that 20 to 18 range. Then it drops to 14 million for a safety, 11 million for a tight end, and just over 10 million for a running back. Now those numbers are projected to jump up to 13 million for a running back in 2024 obviously the cap continues to rise on an annual basis and the thing that I think people are missing the boat a little bit on with Jonathan Taylor and I feel like to even have this discussion we have to have it under the hypothetical that like he's in good health which unfortunately I don't think we have a ton of clarity on that I've heard very conflicting Mm -hmm. things on the severity of Taylor's ankle situation let's say though he is in good health and the Colts would like to retain him for a couple of more years. I hear a lot of people out there that say, well, just slap the franchise tag on him a couple of times. Where I would push back on that, and I remember, I think it was at the State Fair show we did a couple Fridays ago, I said three years, $39 front load the hell out of the deal. The franchise tag, doing that on an annual basis, while you obviously are keeping him on the one-year cycles, so you have a decision that you can make each year, you are almost backloading mm-hmm. that contract. And my worry there is you're going to get early into this Anthony Richardson three-year cycle of, man, we really need this piece or we really need that piece. Okay, we didn't realize that this receiver was emerging, but, man, our tight end group could use yeah. a jolt. Or, you know, there's a big injury on the offensive line and we need something there. I want to make sure that if I'm the Colts, I've got the flexibility – at that point as a franchise to kind of maneuver how I would like. Right here, right now, you've got the chance, I think, to front load some things. And again, you've got to put Taylor's health situation to the side to even have this discussion, which I know you you, you probably can't do, but just for the sake of the, of the discussion, we will. So, Mark, that to me is the difference between the franchise tag on an annual basis because, you know, it, it, it rises in value – Whereas if you gave him a contract, again, in kind of that three for 39 and you front load it, that is where you could avoid having that big of a cap hit as you get to 2024, as you get to 2025. Well, the other thing, too, is that the Colts have cap space right now. And that's, yeah, that's kind of like, million, right? yeah, right around $19 million. They have the sixth most cap space available to them at this moment. Um, so you have the availability of the cash to make a contract with Jonathan Taylor happen. Now, going forward, depending on what you do in free agency, which usually isn't much, but say you want to get a free agent or something like that, you have to you know, remember that the money for the salary cap is going to go towards that and, all, and everything like that. So your resources will go down as you move forward, and especially if you get into Anthony Richardson's contract and you start seeing that he might be the guy and you got to get ready for a monster contract for him. 
So you have the resources available now if you're going to get a contract done with Jonathan Taylor, if you can mend some fences and all that stuff. Now would be the opportune time to get it done because uh, if, especially if you're not hearing too much from other teams that might be interested in possibly acquiring Jonathan Taylor, then if you can make him happy, even if it's a three-year extension, like you said, or $39 million or something like that, whatever he's willing to do, as long as it's front-loaded and you're not going to be hurt on the back end of it and you think his health can last for a few more years. He's, he's what, 24 years old? Yeah. Uh-huh. So And you, uh, you almost signed Kareem Hunt at 28, who's on the downslope of his career. So Jonathan Taylor, he's more than outplayed his rookie contract. Uh, it's just a matter of whether or not you think you can mend fences with him and his agent and get something done. I would hope you could. I mean, just get back to the table. It's like, okay, enough of this bickering on social media. Let's just get back to the table. Let's try to come to some agreement and get back on the same side here. You brought up the Kareem Hunt thing. And, again, yesterday, for those that missed it, uh, probably yesterday evening, you had some reports about the Colts making an offer for Kareem Hunt, but he was leaving Indy without a deal. Um, this report from ESPN, the two sides were unable to reach an agreement as there is still continued interest from other teams. Daniel asked this, Mark, and I will pose this to you. Daniel goes, I don't think the Colts were serious about Kareem Hunt. It was probably a relationship thing with the agent in Ballard. Help the player get more money and get Taylor's camp attention. Your thoughts on that? I mean, it had to be somewhat serious. He was about to sign with the Saints, and then, according to ESPN's Diana Rossini, got a call from the Colts offering him more money, and he got on a plane and came to Indy. So you had to be somewhat serious. You're not about to be like, well, this is just, you know, this is all just, you know, a ploy so that I can get more money somewhere else. If you're getting on a plane and going somewhere, and you hear that you might, you know, you're putting a contract to the side from the Saints, who all, with all intents and purposes, we're going to sign you to go to Indianapolis and just hear them out. I can't go there that that was not a serious offer. He came in for an interview, as far as we know. I'm assuming that was at West 56th yesterday. But he came out and met with the front office and all that stuff, and he left without a contract. But I can't see that, you know, I mean, really? You're going to you're gonna do an interview with the Colts and go elsewhere, and you're just hoping that, well, maybe the Saints will give me more money now. It won't be so incentive-laden or anything like that. I, I, I find it hard find it hard to put those two pieces together. Should? 28-year-old, 3.8 yards per carry, Kareem Hunt, get the attention of Jonathan Taylor? No. I wouldn't. If I was Jonathan Taylor, okay, pay him then. Go ahead. See what happens. Yeah, You I, see I he's on the downslide of his career. I mean, like I said, 1.1 yards difference average per carry from 2021 to 2022. 4.9 to 3.8. And you said how many? Four players on Every team basically had better. You had over 160 yeah. players in the NFL last year have a better yards per carry than Hunt. And again, I think yards per carry is a much more of an accurate assessment than just total yards. Right. Obviously, they have mm-hmm. Nick Chubb, so we know total yards is going to be down. Is not going to be up there, but yards per carry to me is much more of an accurate thing on, on what you're getting out of him. Um, Mark or Sam. If you don't mind, play that other um, Matt Ryan clip. And this is a little bit more back and forth, Ryan and Schefter. And this was earlier in the week, so, you know, take that for for what it's worth. But this was kind of Schefter and Matt Ryan going back and forth a little bit more on the Jonathan Taylor situation. I don't know. Uh, You know, honestly, I don't know. Um, My my guess, I mean, my guess is is he plays this season out and and we see where that leads. Um, I don't know. You know, I haven't talked to Jonathan about it. Um, I think in these situations, sometimes you're better off. People just need space, you know, to, to kind of sort things out the way that they, they want to do. Um, 
but I, I think he plays at some point knowing him as, as a teammate, like the, the thing about it is he's one of the nicest people, right? Like the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He's one of the best teammates, unselfish, hard worker, all of those things. Um, but is in that window where it's his turn, it's his turn to get paid. It, it's all of those things. And you're at that standstill. And so, uh, I know Chris Ballard, I know Jim Irsay, they'll, they'll do their best to try and, you know, make it right. I'm not sure if both sides can come to that, that place where it makes sense for both of them. Uh, but my guess is that he kind of plays the season out and then we'll see where it goes from there. Well, that's the problem. If they don't make it right and they don't pay him, I don't know that he's going to be willing to play it out this season. And that's where it gets I interesting. <laughs> I know it's good. Well, yeah, the beauty is, you know more about these kind of situations than I, than I do, right? You've been in the weeds on, on more of these than I have. But some guys are different, right? Like some guys in your building are different. And, and you want to treat everybody fair, but fair doesn't mean equal. It's not the same treatment of, of everyone. And there are certain positions and certain guys that sometimes you just have to handle differently um, because – because things will explode kind of like they have right, right at this moment. And it's become such, such a big story. So uh, I know they probably would have all liked for it to, to have been handled differently, but they're in the spot they are. And uh, my guess is he plays though. My guess, my gut is that I, I bet he plays this year. If that is the case, Mark, we've got to see him practice, I think in the next 10 days. If he is going mm-hmm. to play, I mean, we, today we are, September 10th is the yeah. season opener. Mm-hmm. So you're a month out. We have not seen him on the field since mid-December. By the way, Lara Overton just informed me that Matt Ryan actually will be in Buffalo coming up oh. on Saturday. Uh, him and Andrew Catalan are doing the Bills broadcast. So you know how we have mm-hmm. Greg Rakestraw and Rick Venturi, uh, Catalan and uh, Matt Ryan will be doing that. I don't think that airs live on NFL Network. Sometimes they simulcast and they just take the local feed of it. But I do think that typically you get these games re-aired on NFL Network throughout the week. So potentially you could get a re-airing of the Colts and the Bills, and you might hear Matt Ryan on the telecast there. Um, this is from John. John brings up, and this is in reference to kind of the, the, the front load that I had laid out there. He goes, if you front load JT's contract, how do you know he doesn't do this again in year two or year three of that second contract? That is a very fair mm-hmm. question to bring up. And again, Mark, that's where I think you're at a point as a franchise where you could look a whole lot different than you look now. Maybe at that point you're saying, okay, Anthony Richardson, we feel pretty good about his development. We can go the route, we can go down a different route at running back at that point. We don't feel the need to give him such a high profile, expensive sidekick in the backfield. And, you know, I I brought this up when I laid out that kind of three for 39 contract, Mark. Why I mentioned three years, the first decision you have to make on Anthony Richardson is after year three. Uh We brought up Pay earlier. As a first-round pick, you get a four-year deal, and the team has a fifth-year team option on you. You have to make that decision, though, after their third year of their rookie deal. So for Pay, that's this season. So come next offseason, the Colts have to make a decision whether or not they pick up that fifth-year team option on pay. So why I said three for 39 for Taylor is because then at that point, you seemingly have put him on the same timeline as Richardson to make that first deal. If Taylor wants to put up a stink two or three years down the road, 
I'm good with that right. because then I will have learned more about Richardson and I'll feel better about the situation. And then that's when you decide, okay, we need to invest more here or more there. And at that point, let's be honest, Taylor's getting to 26, 27 years old, and now you have questions about his longevity mm-hmm. as a high-profile back in the league. I mean, look at the team that's going to be here a week from now, the Bears. Justin Fields entering his third year. they got some big decisions to make with him at the end of this year as well, so they want to see him make a big jump. The Colts are hoping Anthony Richardson will make that same jump in that timeline as well. So plenty of big money. There's so much money tied up with the quarterback position and so much jobs are on the line when you make these high-profile draft picks that you want Anthony Richardson to, to hit, and so you have to see what you got, and I think that's why it is disappointing that Jonathan Taylor's not out here because you want to see Anthony Richardson with the full complement of talent that could be around this Colts roster, and the fact that he He's not been here for the entirety of camp, just been on the sidelines in a hoodie. I, I mean, that that kind of that has to hurt Anthony Richardson's development to a degree. I know you're just handing the ball off and you're not really making any contact, but you would like to see the full complement of your best players out there with your rookie quarterback. Mike Chappell's going to join us live here at Colts Camp in about an hour. We've got Field Yates, one of our favorites from ESPN, coming up to close out the show today. About You said 9.45, Mark? 9.45. For Field Yates. He obviously has got a pretty extensive uh, background and currently um, you know, a lot of fantasy football coverage as well. Do you have any core fantasy football, please? I am a horrific fantasy football player. Do you have any like um, go-to must that you try to accomplish? I mean, everybody's always, everybody's always vying for the first overall pick, and I feel like that is probably the worst pick you can have in a fantasy draft, because if you draft first and you're in a snake draft, you're going first, and then you're not drafting again until everybody else picks two players. Who is the first pick of fantasy I want to say I did a mock draft, and it was like... Jamar Chase or something. I was, was guessing Justin overall. Jefferson. Yeah, it actually might have been Justin Jefferson, actually. But, yeah, I think he was the number one overall. And I think now you're kind of seeing, especially people doing more PPR leagues, points per reception, you're seeing wide receivers go way more often early than running backs and quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, I feel like you can wait. That's the other thing. People are like, I have to get Patrick Mahomes. I have to get, you know, Josh Allen. You can wait and get basically the same production out of a guy, you know, four or five rounds later. So get the talent at the skill positions like wide receiver and running back and then build through there as well. So And tight end is basically a crapshoot once you get outside of Travis Kelsey and Dallas Goddard and all that stuff, I feel like. We'll probably have another fantasy person on or two here in the coming weeks because mm-hmm. I, I know drafts start to pick up as we close out the month of August. By the way, for those who, who are interested in hearing the Matt Ryan broadcast, uh, Colts Bills get the prime slot of 7 a.m. on Sunday morning on the re-airing <laughs> on NFL Network. So if you want to catch that set your DVRs unless you're getting up really early. All right, girls, Rosie, Max, wake up early in the morning. We're gonna rewatch the Colts no. and the Bills on NFL Network. <laughs> but that is the first running. I'm sure it'll be on again later in the week. But 7 a.m. Good lord, that is the yeah, other. Like no one's watching this. Put this on. Okay. By the way, you you mentioned earlier when we were going over salary caps for linebackers. You said that seemed extremely high. That 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 was what the second highest position for. For franchise tags, linebacker, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I, you can see that's kind of like a hybrid as far as, as far as these like top six contracts go. T.J. Watt, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Bradley Chubb, Von Miller, Roquan Smith, all making north so of twenty cons- million dollars. Did you say Bradley Chubb? They consider Bradley Chubb a linebacker. Yeah. Uh huh. See that that doesn't make sense. And Joey Bosa as well. I mean, Joey Bosa, I feel yeah, like is I defensive mean, end I, and all I that. Stuff. He's making guess- twenty-seven million dollars. T.J. Watt, twenty-eight million. Like they should have an edge group. Yeah. You know, take out linebacker, take out DN to so have so an edge group. That piqued my interest when you said that that was so high. And it's like, well, I could see why now because you've got – that's why. The, the, these guys are kind of hybrids. 
Shout out to my daughter, Rosie Bowen, in the car. I love her very much. She had a rough night sleeping. Oh, no, that's not good. Last night. So I hope Rosie's feeling better. And thank you to Maddie for taking care of Rosie Girl and Max Bowen here on this Thursday morning. Again, Mike Chappell going to join us here in a little bit. Uh, Mark, I'm showing you the picture of a buddy of mine who just got one of those great city uniforms for the Reds. Uh Took a while to be delivered. Um, He just sent a picture. The caption is, arrive the day our season ended, referencing, um, you know, losing a series to the Marlins. I responded with, burn it. You have to. Uh If the Reds want to get back on track, he's got to burn the jersey. How big of a fan are you? How big of a fan are you? Shout out to Addison and, and Emma, by the way. We're both going to first grade and preschool today. Give mom an easy easy morning, no, please. preach, preach. Give mom an easy morning. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to bet the under on that. I, yeah. I'm going uh-huh. to say that's probably not going to happen. Uh, but nonetheless, shout out to the Dyketon girls here on this Thursday morning and everybody that is heading back to school here this week. Speaking of heading somewhere, the Colts are heading indoors for practice. Sam Fritz, let's lead off our morning check down with that. Mark, practice number 10 will be indoors. I could not believe the amount of rain we got yesterday evening in central Indiana, certainly up here in Westfield as well. We were interviewing Daryl Baker Jr. at 7 a.m. this morning. We look out on the practice field, and Mark, I'm not going to lie, I had PTSD a little bit because there were so many people at midfield here of the north field at Grand Park. I thought for a second I was back in Canton, Ohio Mm -hmm. in the year 20-whatever that would have been, 16, 17, something like that, when the Colts had to and the Packers canceled their preseason game due to, uh, what was it, dried paint or something like that? Yeah, paint dried weird and looked all funky. In Canton, Ohio. So after chatting for about five minutes and testing the new Bermuda field out here, they decided conditions not up to par. So indoors today that means 750 fans complimentary parking in lot c wristbands i believe start getting passed out like somewhere in the nine o'clock hour nine nine thirty again practice time starts at 10 but just fyi for those planning to come up here to grand park what do you think that conversation at midfield was, was like does it look wet to you yeah it looks wet to me what do you think i think we should go indoors yeah i think so too yeah. like how long was that conversation in all honesty you know this is the golfer in me but i'd be like hey let's bring out a pitching wedge and see how big the divot is so we had the golf outing for my uncle's carpenters union last week and it poured the day before and i was like okay these greens are going to play slow no you got your you chipped up green the ball would sit Look at this. but as soon as you putted it was flying i hadn't seen that before where i was like there's so much rain on here you know, you're putting divots in the green, but you tried putting, and it was going all over the place. You know, wet greens just have that early skid, particularly when you're Man, chipping. Man, it was you know, flying. It was wild. Before it checks up there. So, again, practice indoors. That means three practices next week, and that's it. Tuesday morning, Wednesday night, Thursday night, the joint sessions with the Bears. On the baseball diamond last night, Former Reds pitcher and better for it, Michael Lorenzen threw a no hitter with his new team, the Philadelphia Phillies. This shut is why out! I got to burn the jersey. <laughs> shut this out! Is why the, I got to burn it. Shut out the Nationals seven nothing. 124 pitches, nine innings, four walks, five strikeouts. Congrats to Michael Lorenzen, his former team, losing to the Marlins five to four. The downslope for the Reds continues. They are really. Hey, can we mention the Cubs? We're hey, the Cubs lost, but the Reds lost too, and the Reds are in more dire straits than the Cubs. Cubs have won they're both two six, and a half back. Cubs have won six straight series before 
They lost to the Mets last night. They take the series loss against New York. That's fine. Big deal. Okay. Get back on the horse and get back on it on Friday. Cardinals top the Rays. Sixth four. Your athletics get a shutout win over the Rangers. Brewers top the Rockies in 10 innings, 7-6. to six. We hate to see that. Braves over the Pirates, 6-5. to five. Oh, Jake's cute fella, eight to two. Maybe you should reinstate your play-by-play manager, yeah, and you can exactly. get back in the win column. Oh, yeah. How Kevin about Brown that? would have had a double if if he was on the call? How about that? Like you said, Mets top the Reds four to three. White Sox pound the Yankees nine to two. Yankees stink, and all that stuff. So there you go. I, I didn't see if the Indianapolis Indians played. I think they were. The, uh, they were canceled due to Mother canceled, Nature. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sam Fritz, is the mic working? It is not working. Uh, <laughs> Sam Fritz is going to have an interview. And Sam, feel free to correct me in my ear. Uh, he will be interviewing Razor Shines tonight during game two of the Indians doubleheader. So Nashville, before game two, that is. Uh, Nashville's in town. Uh, Indians, again, doubleheader. First pitch, uh, Sam said, at 6.05. So pretty cool opportunity coming up for him here. Buy him a beer bat. Buy Razor Shines Razor a beer Shines. bat before the interview. <laughs> yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah, maybe play the dizzy bat game with Razor Shines. I uh, did want to go over uh, Brickyard Weekend coming up schedule-wise. And, again, you obviously hope Mother Nature cooperates out there. Tomorrow, gates are going to open at 8 o'clock. IndyCar practice from 9 to 10.30. You'll get IndyCar qualifying coming up around lunchtime. That's 12.30 to 2. They'll get another practice in in the afternoon. You've got some Indy Lights, Indy Next, I guess is what it's called now. That race will be Friday afternoon. And then Saturday is the very busy day over at IMS. you got Xfinity practice with the NASCAR, with NASCAR coming up in the morning. You've got Verizon practice and qualifying. So you got practice and qualifying for both the Xfinity Series and the Verizon Cup Series coming up on Saturday morning. Then you have the IndyCar road course race around 2 o'clock. Then the Xfinity race at 5.30. So you've got a jam-packed Saturday. And, of course, Sunday is all about the cup race. We'll go over that a little bit more, Jake Query, uh, coming up tomorrow when he rejoins us. But uh, big time, fingers crossed, for the weather over mm-hmm. there at IMS. Mark, did I miss anything on the run? I don't think so. I don't think so. Is it Fever and Lynx tonight? That could be. Yeah, Fever uh, currently in the running for Caitlin Clark because their season has not gone well, and uh, they're in the bottom of the standings right now. So, I mean, it, how do you want to win at this point, or would you rather have Caitlin Clark in a, in a Fever uniform? you got to kind of think of it that way. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Las Vegas Aces already have clinched a playoff spot. They're 25-3 and three on the season, so that tells you the stark difference of the, uh, of the Fever season. Yeah, they aren't even listed, you know, in the in the top standings, top six. They're way out there. So the Fever were five and seven at one point, Mark. They're now seven and twenty-two. Yeah, that was the high point I would say of the season so far. So Aaliyah Boston, obviously a nice piece to have, and looks like she's going to have a good career. But now, would you like to pair her with Caitlin Clark? I know I would. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, Fever seven and twenty-two at the bottom of the WNBA standings. And again, uh, last item on this checkdown: Purdue basketball. They are over in Germany right now. They played in Munich yesterday uh they're starting five and as we talked about earlier in the show zach Eady is with team canada getting ready for the world cup there uh you had the obvious braid smith fletcher lawyer backcourt newcomer lance jones started the southern illinois transfer transfer and then in the front court you had trey kaufman wren and mason gillis in the front court there for purdue they win their first game 88 71 braden smith 22 points 12 assists six rebounds three steals very fitting as we are here 
in Westfield. Thank you to Eric Smith. He says, only thing to add racing-wise this weekend is ARCA, NASCAR Truck Series race at IRP coming up tomorrow night. That is at 6 p.m. And then the trucks at 9 p.m. So, Eric, thank you on that end. All right, we'll keep the Colts conversation going on the other side. Mike Chappell joining us in the 9 o'clock hour. And Field Yates from ESPN to round out the show. It's Kevin Bowen. It's Mark Dykton, Sam Fritz in studio. Kevin and Query here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. All right, Mark, I feel like I'm getting punked, okay? Mm-hmm. Sam Fritz texted us a little bit earlier ago and said, we have a caller named Brian who wants to talk Notre Dame basketball. Sam Fritz, there's no way in hell we have a caller that really wanted to talk Notre Dame basketball. First things first, you guys can hear me now. Yes. L- loud and clear. You sound glorious. Let's go. We've done it, folks. Yes. Okay, <laughs> there was a caller who wanted to talk Notre Dame basketball, and to defend them, I want to say – they were very happy that Notre Dame's playing Hanover this year. Well, I guess that's a Micah Shrewsbury connection on that end. Oh, my. I, I need information. I need their address. I need to meet up with this person. Sam, if they happen to call back, can you provide all of that for me? What yeah. do they want to talk about? Brian, can you imagine if, if we out there, call back. I'll make sure that you get on air. Mark, can you imagine if we just have like an 18-minute breakdown of Notre Dame basketball? Oh, I, you'd be all for it. I'd just, I'd just leave. I'd go to the media room and go grab another water or something. Yeah, I'd just uh, let you do I the show. I'd fired by 9 o'clock for my boss. You'd go shirtless yeah. and everything. Yeah, we're we're going to talk, talk, yeah, push Jonathan Taylor to the back burner. I'm really, really worried about Marcus Burton, Mr. Basketball. Sorry, chap. Uh, we'll meet, get you another time. <laughs> Getting 40 minutes a night. Uh, the Colts news item from yesterday, they signed a guy named Hunt who plays running back? Hunt Lee. Oh, Hunt, Hunt Lee. Jason Hunt okay. Lee, all yes. Right, right. So Kareem Hunt in town, discussed a uh, possible contract with the Colts, left Indy without a contract, but then a couple hours later left. Uh, they ended up signing free agent running back Jason Huntley and tight end Ricky Seals-Jones. So, um, How Hunt, do I know that name, Ricky Seals-Jones? He was with the – I had to do some, I was like, I know that name. And he was with the Arizona Cardinals from the first part of his career. Uh, I know he was always like a fantasy football option. Like when you're like, my tight end stink, who can I draft? Oh, Ricky Seals-Jones, there he is. He might get some, get some throws his way or something like that. Um, so he spent some time with the Arizona Cardinals. But Jason Huntley uh, started his career with the Detroit Lions, didn't really do much. Uh, he was selected in the fifth round there. Um, waived by the Lions during final roster cuts in 2020. Then he caught on with the Eagles, claimed off waivers there, uh, had a couple of years there, and then he's off to the Steelers, again released during training camp roster cuts, and now he's caught on with the Colts. So he's got 18 career carries for 70 yards, no touchdowns, anything like that. Um, I don't know Jason Huntley that much, but that sounds like the definition of a camp body, Yeah, uh, if I've ever heard and- one. Um, much more than a Kareem Hunt signing would have meant. Uh, Ricky Seals-Jones, you've said that the tight end position has a big old question mark on it, so I can see why you might want some veteran depth and also just see what you got because yeah. you've got so many banged-up bodies on the tight end position as well. And I would say that's where the question mark is, Mark. I, I think there are some intriguing names and bodies in that room, but I think health has been an issue here through the first 10 days of camp. They have signed so many different tight ends. Um, yes, they do have a new tight ends coach in Tom Manning, so I don't know, maybe that's playing into it. Obviously, the Shane Steichen presence, Mark, and I know this is something I brought up probably last week when the Colts signed Amari Rogers. Jake and I had this discussion last week of if you look at the moves for Isaiah McKenzie, if you look at the moves for Josh Downs, if you look at even the move for Rogers, which you know he's a training camp guy, so I don't want to act like that's of the same significance as spending a third-round pick on Josh Downs. But Shane Steichen comes in here, and this is his offense. Mm-hmm. This is his operation now. This is a new voice. It's a new system. 
Um, outside of Reggie Wayne, it's an entirely new offensive staff as well. So what does that mean for the personnel? You know, Gus Bradley and that defensive staff is still here. So we know how they want to operate with the body types at corner and kind of the new scheme with their defensive line of getting upfield and all those things. Offensively, though, what changes are we going to see? And there's been so much turnover at tight end, but especially you look at like a little bit of a different type of wideout and being open-minded to the smaller, shiftier guys. And then, again, I, I don't f- – I think Mark – you could make the argument that Shane Steichen's presence is the biggest influence in the Jonathan Taylor contract situation. I don't know that for sure, mm-hmm. but I think you can make the argument that his arrival has all of a sudden meant a change of blueprint and an altering of how you're going to build. And that, to me, is probably the most curious aspect to all of this thing because if you look at Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard's comments in the offseason – they never started to go down the path that they're now singing. They didn't do that very early on, right. I guess mm-hmm. I should say. And if Ballard wanted to a couple weeks ago, Mark, he could have played the injury card a whole lot with yeah, us and he didn't. on report day, and he did not do that. So I am curious if and how much this is Shane Steichen driven with you know, having a change of heart um, with their roster blueprint and how they want to pay offensive players moving forward. Well, look at Shane Steichen's, you know, he was with the Eagles. Who's their leading rusher? Who's their leading running back last year? And where is he now? Miles Sanders, no longer with the team. Right. So maybe he's like, yeah, you can plug and play, guys. You don't need to pay these monster contracts and everything like and that. And how much of that is a Jalen Hurts presence? I think, and, and, I think and, that it, plays a big role in it. But I think is that, that plays a in dangerous big game to play of having so many designed runs for your quarterback? Well, without question. But I also think that you can say, well, instead of throwing all this money at one guy at running back, let's disperse it through a few guys and then just split carries with them and not really have a true number one running back, but kind of split it that way. That's what the Bears are doing with Justin Fields. They've got Justin Fields as one of their lead rushers, but they waved goodbye to David Montgomery, and he signed with the rival Detroit Lions. But they were like, okay, that's fine. We'll just pay three separate guys what, what David Montgomery cost the Lions, and we'll just spread out carries that way. So I think that could be – that is kind of the blueprint of how we're seeing the NFL go these days where, you know, there's not really true – there's the legit elite running backs, and then there's a bunch of other guys like Jamal Williams on the Lions, who's now with the Saints. I mean, I mean – you can see how interchangeable these guys are where they're just bouncing from team to team and, and all that stuff. So instead of paying the big contracts, just pay a couple guys the contracts you would have paid one person, and then you can just do it that way. Especially if you have a guy like Richardson or Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson that you can run at the quarterback position. Okay, the Colts are going to practice here coming up at 10 a.m. It is an indoor session due to how much rain we got in central Indiana last night. So I don't have rain shoes, do you? I, I was, was going to be in trouble. Yeah, I honestly just wear these shoes that are so old and they look horrible because, you know, I, I don't. I don't, my my fashion sense is couldn't be further from the uh, from the truth. So uh, this is what I rock here at training camp. But we're gonna head over to that building, like two buildings over, Mark. That's so not that barn go. over there. Not that barn. We're gonna go just just past that barn coming up at 10 a.m. for the indoor practice here for the Colts. It's just an hour long session, mm-hmm. and so is Tuesday. So we're getting here to the end of camp. Shorter sessions. I get the Tuesday one being shorter because obviously you've got the Bears the next right. two days, and those will be some pretty competitive sessions um we should and i say should i maybe i should say hope we hope to get some clarity from shane steichen today on playing time for starters coming Mm up on saturday and again what the plan is quarterback wise with anthony richardson and gardner Minshew. 
I'm curious how they do starting quarterback on Saturday, Mark, because I can kind of see two trains of thought here. One is, do you start Minshew, let him roll with, you know, Nelson, Kelly, whoever else you want to throw in that in that group. When they exit after a couple series, then you put Richardson in, and now you're playing Richardson with guys that are probably going to play more in the game anyways, mm-hmm. you know, non-veterans, and you then let Richardson kind of roll with that group for like a quarter and a half to two quarters. I think that's one train of thought. Mm-hmm. The other would be, if you are very serious about playing your starters a good amount here in the first preseason game, then, of course, you would probably want Richardson. Assuming he's the guy week one, you would want him to get that run. And I brought this up earlier, Mark, but I'll repeat it. Three preseason games now in the NFL. The Colts have two after this Buffalo game, one against Chicago next Saturday. That's after the joint practices. Then one against Philadelphia two weeks from tonight. That's a Thursday nighter Mm -hmm. in Philly. That comes after a joint practice in Philly. Typically, how teams operate is if you are playing a preseason game right after joint practices, you don't play your starters very much in that preseason game. Now, I think the Colts are a little bit of an outlier in all this. Mm -hmm. They were awful last year. They have a new head coach. They have a beyond an experienced quarterback. So I don't think they fall in line with the other NFL teams. But I bring that up to say, Mark, I'm just curious because if Shane Steichen does go off past precedent with how teams typically handle playing time after those joint practices, you could look at Saturday and think, this is the time. Yeah, this is the dress rehearsal possibly. A little bit more. And again, I know that goes against every sort of traditional thought of how you handle a season opening preseason game. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't know which option I like more of the ones that you laid out there. I would like to see Anthony Richardson get one and a half to two quarters of play, whether or not that's with the starters or the second team guys, but he needs the reps. I don't know if Gardner Minshew needs a ton of reps. Like, he's been in Shane Steichen's offense with last year with the Eagles, so does he need many reps? Like, maybe a series or two? Or would you rather get more get more information and more intel on what Anthony Richardson can do, you know, from an in-game stance. Yeah. I don't know if Minshew needs the reps as much. So remember when we had Stephen Holder on yesterday, Mark, and I said to him, Stephen, I apologize for the numbers, but you have 12 quarters in the preseason. And if I set the over-under at four and a half quarters Anthony Richardson plays out of those 12, where would you go? Let me give my answer, Mark. Mm -hmm. It should be over. It should be over. I I want to see – I, I hover more around two quarters per game for Anthony Richardson here in the preseason. Because I more than any Colts quarterback I can remember, I want to see this dude with a red jersey off. Yeah. Because we watch him out here. And for fans that have come out here and watched the practice at Grand Park and they've seen the plays called for Gardner Minshew versus the plays called for Anthony Richardson, they're different. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. They're different styles of quarterbacks. But with Richardson, there's times I'm watching this and I'm like, wait, was that a five-yard scramble or he kept on running? Did he really get 18 there? You know, because these defensive guys can't tee off on him. Uh And so that's why I think you want to see him with that red jersey. Get the governor out of the golf cart. You know, let him be his normal self as best as possible. I get, you know, oh, you might run the risk of injury. The dude's 21 years old. He has 13 college starts. You can't be worried about that stuff. No. You've got to see him in live settings because there are moments out here, Mark, where, I mean, he's 
air airmail on a target, and he, you know, it was almost hitting Lebanon High School. So, like, there are these moments where y- you've got to get him used to the live settings because this can only go so far. Yeah, I, I'm really intrigued to watch him play against the Bills because obviously, depending on how much the Bills play, the Bills defense is no joke. I mean, their first and second team guys are no joke. So to see him get some you know, roll out and maybe run a couple plays against them. I would love to see him get more than a couple series here. Give me a quarter, quarter two quarters of him. I'd like to see what he can do. And, and that would give you a better barometer of how far he's progressed in training camp to in-game activities. You've got to be right by your head. Do by I? The way. I really hope I don't get stung. Did I ever tell you about the time I got stung at uh, Colts training camp? No. Yeah, right on my knee. Ballooned oh. like none other. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. There's a first aid tent, I'm, assu- I'm assuming, unless it's that barn over there. Yeah, well, well exactly. Go to the medical tent, Gib. <laughs> we'll see if I can hop in there. Get a horse tranquilizer yeah. for you. Uh, again, we are live here at Colts Training Camp. They're going to head indoors for practice coming up at 10 a.m. Uh, 750 fans uh, that show up. Lot C is where you want to be for that. Uh, that you get a wristband and you can be indoors today for practice. Uh, on the other side, we'll continue the Colts conversation. I do think we'll get to the pop quiz at 9 o'clock today. We'll bump Sounds that good. pop quiz up because we've got Mike Chappell and Field Yates coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. So I want to make sure that we, uh, that we get him, that we get enough time for those guys. So we'll uh, – I have a little bit of an earlier pop quiz coming up at 9. Again, Kevin Bowen and Mark Dykton today as Jake is recovering from a night at Wrigley. He'll be back tomorrow. You are Woo, listening the boss. To, yeah. to Kevin Aquarius here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Yeah, just discussing here up in Westfield, Colts training camp indoors today. It's not due to, I think, any sort of forecast today. It's due to, I think, all the rain we got last night. So much water on that practice field again mark we saw them come out here about 7 a.m and take a look at the field and decide pretty quickly mm-hmm. that they're going to move inside I mean, it does look weird out here now though it is a little overcast i guess more to the east than the than the west here so we'll continue to monitor that mark we were discussing anthony richardson mm-hmm. before the break playing time for saturday and i referenced just getting a red jersey off of him and i know that i probably did a poor job speaking a little bit too much to his running ability. I also think you get the red jersey off him, Mark, because when you're out here in these camp settings and you're him or you're Minshew or you're Ellinger, you know the defensive line can't touch you. Right. That is in the back of your mind. So you know you can hang in the pocket and hang in the pocket and hang in the pocket for as long as you want. And Joel brought up, we know Richardson's legs work. I would love to see him get some legit pocket passing calls and see how he does. Certainly. And it's a great point by Joel. Again, taking off the red jersey just means you get to a more normal real-life football setting, not just purely scrambling ability, you know, read options, Richardson taking off with the ball in his And sometimes you want to get that contact anyway. Where quarterbacks do want to get hit. I remember Andrew Luck back in the day would say, yeah, I want to get hit because I want to get in the mode of regular season. I want to get that hit out of the way so I can be like, oh, yeah, that's what it feels like to get hit by a linebacker again and all that stuff. So you might want to get that out of the way because Anthony Richardson, I mean, he's been playing against college guys where you're going to have, you know, 20, 30-year-old guys coming at you in different sizes and all that stuff. So maybe you want to get that. That that first hit out of the way, I'm like okay, that's what it feels like to be in the NFL now as a quarterback. Speaking of Anthony Richardson, I believe Mike is on the line with us. Mike wanted to talk a little bit of Anthony Richardson here. Good Thursday morning to you, Mike. Uh, good morning, guys. How you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for calling. 
So uh, I just don't understand why everyone wants Anthony Richardson to start uh, for this team this year. Uh, why would we, we repeat what we did with Andrew Luck and have a guy get beat down so much that he wants to re- retire early? We know the line struggled last year. We have a great backup that knows the system. Why would we not put Minshew in at least for the first six games of the season Patrick Mahomes was fortunate enough. We'll never know how much it benefited him to sit and learn for an entire year. Uh, I, I just don't understand why we would rush to put Anthony Richardson as the starter of this team. Appreciate it, Mike. And, again, that's a very, I think, fine take to have, even though I, I am one that disagrees with that. You know, when you bring up Patrick Mahomes, for example, Mark, 32 starts at mm-hmm. Texas Tech, that's yeah. a lot different than 13 at Florida, so I'd probably start there. Now, the offensive line comment is an extremely fair one to make. Um, you know, clearly the Colts feel better about their offensive line situation. You know, I pointed out to Rick Venturi earlier in the week, and I'll probably do it again either the rest of today's show or certainly tomorrow, but Mark, we saw signs of this offensive line splintering last year in the preseason opener. We certainly saw it in the joint sessions, so I think that will be a little bit of a clearer picture on where that group is at now with Bernard Ryman further further development, some of the veteran guys trying to rebound from disappointing years. These have been my two thoughts on Richardson playing early. Again, he, he needs the reps. I don't think anyone can argue that. Mm-hmm. Look at the playing time. You know, you compare it to a Mahomes, you compare it to whoever, he just flat out needs it. But as long as the O-line can prove that they are competent, he should be out there. And then as long as you can formulate a, a game plan that has some uh, substantive nature to it, and I think that's why you hire Shane Steichen, yeah. is well, because he can sit down with Anthony Richardson and they can come up with that. So honestly, as long as the O-line gives you competence, and I do think Richardson – I think he's a guy that has some poise in the pocket. Certainly he, he can run a little bit. He's not a sitting duck like some of the quarterbacks have been, especially the one last year in Matt Ryan back there. And the Mahomes comp as well. I mean, look, at you had Andy Reid and Alex Smith there as well. You had veteran veteran staff that had been there, a veteran quarterback that has been there. Colts, Shane Steichen's a rookie head coach. Uh, Gardner Minshew has been notoriously a backup quarterback. Yes, he was in the Eagles system last year, but it's not like he was, you know, he was putting up Alex Smith numbers or anything like that. So I would like to see what Anthony Richardson can do. I think this coaching staff wants to see what he can do in in in-game settings. Plus, there's the financial component where, yes, if you could sit a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes for a year, more power to you. And if he turns out to be Patrick Mahomes, no problem there. But there's so many financial components as well with quarterbacks these days where you have to kind of see what you got in them. And like you said, 13 starts for for a quarterback in college is not a lot. So you need to see what you got in this guy. Let him take the red shirt off. Let him get out there and do what he can against the Bills and go from there. But I think you have to see him out there. You have to see what he can do against an opposing off opposing defense. Mark, I hear this quite often with Richardson. He's not ready. I would say, isn't he not ready because he needs the reps to right. get ready? Yes. And, and that's where I'm kind of at. It, it's it's the physical nature of j- not only the accuracy and those parts of his game he's got to improve on, but it's being in those moments, being in the the two-minute situation, throwing a pick and having to come mm-hmm. back from it, you know, facing uh, this sort of red zone situation, feeling those pressure-packed moments. I think all of that is so critical. And, and the other thing is, 
I think there's this misconception that you have these massive amounts of development running the scout team in practice. He'd be running the the scout team. Mark, we had Daryl Baker Jr. on the show earlier. It's not like Daryl Baker Jr. was running the Colts defense in practice. Exactly. What did he tell us? He's running the practice squad. Right. So if you are Richardson and you are that second team quarterback, you're going to be running that sort of. And these practices are not very long. Once you get in the regular season, it's a much different feel, I think, mm-hmm. than a lot of people believe. But I understand that there are people out there. And that's a totally fine take to have, Mike, from an offensive line standpoint. But if they can prove they're competent, I throw Richardson in the fire pretty With, darn Without early. question. Yeah, we want to see what this guy can do. But coming up next, we've still got Mike Chappell. We've still got Field Yates. But we're going to turn it over to you guys. We're going to do the pop quiz a little earlier. It's a four-pack of tickets to the Indiana State Fair. So light it up, 317-239-1070. We'll do the pop quiz next. Mike Chappell coming up at 915. And we'll round out the show with Field Yates. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Pop quiz time on Kevin and Query. I'm Mark Dykton in for Jay Query, who's sleeping off seeing the boss, Bruce Springsteen, at Wrigley Field yesterday. But we're going to do the pop quiz now. We got uh, we got Mike Chappell joining us in a little while. Uh, yeah, Field Yates, right? Field Yates to round well. things out. So we're going to get to the pop quiz a little early. We got a four pack of tickets to the Indiana State Fair. We're giving those away all week, so we'll get going here. Uh, Kev, number one through eight. Um, and also before we get to the pop quiz again, Colts practice move indoors. Correct. I did want to make sure that we mentioned this. If you're in the Westfield area. Uh, head to Quack Daddy Donuts. Blue is your code word of the day. Think mascot, think the color, whatever you need. Blue. You go in there, $3 off a dozen donuts located just off 161st and Spring Mill. That is Quack Daddy Donuts. Mike Chappell's just sat down. Chap, you want us to do the pop quiz now? And then... Are you sure? <laughs> okay. All right. The, the, do you like the pop quiz? Be honest with us. You guys are too early for me. Too early for us. Great, great mm-hmm. show, but... Make it from right yeah, I know. See, Chap is on the Jake Query sleep schedule, Mark. No, that doesn't surprise me. Well, <laughs> Jake Query's still sleeping right now, probably. Yeah, him and Bob Kravitz at uh, Bruce Springsteen last night, Chap. How about that? Um, okay, it's time for the pop quiz. Um, Mark, uh, number one through eight. Let's go three. Three. Sam Fritz, who we got? That is Sean. 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 Yo. What's up, Sean? Nothing much, just uh, about to head into work. Sean, what do you do for a living? I work in uh, customer service. Okay. Did yeah. you I, – I, I got word, Sean, that when you called in, you thought you were just getting the tickets, but you weren't really – you didn't know too much about participating in the pop quiz. Is that accurate? That is accurate. I wasn't sure um, what I was calling. I didn't know if it was like, a, you know – you're this number caller, and then you win the tickets. But, no, I'm, I'm down for the quiz. <laughs> you get them regardless, it. even if you stink at this thing. So yeah, don't worry about it. As long as you got a strong connection, Sean, you show some energy, you'll be better than 80% of the pop quiz callers that we get anyways. Okay. All right. Kev, you want to start them off or you want me to start them off? Uh, you go ahead, Mark. All right. All right, Sean, here's question number one for you on the pop quiz. Again, four-pack of tickets to the Indiana State Fair, regardless of how you do. The Verizon 200 takes place Sunday on the IMS road course. How many turns make up the IMS road course? Is it 12, 14, 15, or 16? Oh, man, I'm a huge IndyCar fan. I should know this. Um, Didn't uh, Daryl Baker Jr. say Alec Pierce mm -hmm, was the toughest mm -hmm. guy to go up against? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm going to go 15. Jersey number of Alec Pierce. Subtract one from that. 
Okay. Uh, 14? Oh, that's a good first guess. All right, Sean. All right, Kev, hit him with question two. Chap shaking his head. How pathetic that was that we had to offer that hint here. All right, the Colts take on the Bills, Sean, coming up on Saturday, preseason opener. Bills are coached by Sean McDermott, speaking of Sean, who's entering his seventh season as head coach, not including Anthony Lynn, who was the interim head coach in the 2016 season finale who was the head coach of the Bills before McDermott and has been known to like feet. Was it A, Perry – am I saying this right, chat? Perry Fool? Perry Fuel. Fuel? Doug Marone, Chan Gailey, or Rex Ryan? He likes snacks, too. Uh, yeah, the foot hint helped out. I'm going to go Rex Ryan. All right. Always good for a foot hint here. Kev, I'm surprised you didn't want this question. Uh, question three, the Phillies' Michael Lorenzen and former Red needed 124 pitches to throw a no-hitter against the Nationals last night. On this day in 1944, very topical, Red Barrett of the Boston Braves shut out the Reds 2-0 while setting the Major League record for the fewest pitches thrown in a nine-inning complete game. Within five, how many pitches did Barrett throw? Uh... I'm terrible with baseball stuff. I'm going to say 40 pitches. Okay. All right, Sean, Lorenzen is the fifth pitcher of all time and the second in the modern Major League history to throw a no-hitter in his home debut with a team. Don Cardwell turned the trick in 1960 with what team did Cardwell throw his no-hitter? Mark, I'd say we've referenced this team and this Mm-hmm. Stadium mm-hmm. quite a few times on the show. Uh, Cardinals, Phillies, Cubs, or Pirates? Uh, I'll take Cubs. Okay, I, I on baseball stuff. <laughs> on this day in 1984, the U.S. men's Olympic basketball team defeated Spain to win the gold medal in L.A. In 1992, three members of the 1984 U.S. team would play again in Barcelona on the Dream Team. Which of the following did not play on both the 1984 and 1992 U.S. Olympic men's basketball teams? Let's see if Chap can help Sean out, too, if Sean needs any help If he needs a lifeline, okay. Carl Malone, Michael Jordan, Chris Mullen, or Patrick Ewing? Can I have the names again, please? Carl Malone, Michael Jordan, Chris Mullen, or Patrick Ewing? Boy, I would not have gotten this. Uh -uh. So, again, which of the following did not play on both the 1984 and 92 teams. Okay. Um, Malone, Jordan, Mullen, or Ewing? Chap, you got you, you got anything? Yeah, I guess. Okay. Uh, what would yeah, you guess? I'm gonna, I guess Mullen. I'm going to guess Malone. Malone says Sean. Mullen says Chap. Is that right? That's what he said. All right, Sean. I, I might go with Sean's, Sean's answer. Nothing against Chap. All right, Sean, uh, you were correct on the on the first guess. Took you a little bit, but how many turns make up the IMS road course? It is fourteen. Uh, he got Rex Ryan correct. He said that the feet hint was strong, so I appreciate you. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Really, honestly, really strong showing from Sean. Actually, yeah, he got four and five right. Four and too. five. The Cubs were the ones the no hit by Caldwell Cardwell, and then Carl Malone was not on the '84 team. Only the Dream Team of 1992. Louisiana Tech for Malone. I believe so. Is that right, chap? Follow sample. I thought question three should have been question five. Yeah, I thought that was difficult. Yeah, this this is difficult. The fewest pitches thrown in a nine inning complete game uh, by Red Barrett back in 1944. He said 40, which would be unbelievable. But it was actually 58. Still, 58 is crazy low. 
for a nine-inning complete game shutout. Absurd. Absolutely absurd. Uh, we have uh, Jake Quarry signing via text. Oh, oh boy. I can't believe he's up, and I can't believe he's listening. Sean, stay on the line. Uh, First off, he Sam goes. Sam will get your information. Jake goes, it's bleeping Carl Malone. I, I don't think I can say that on air. Jake uh, adds this. He goes, I've probably seen close to 100 concerts of varying artists in my lifetime. None of them. None were a better display of energy, enjoyment, and just roaring entertainment. Dude 100% brings it. It was amazing. Chap, you ever seen Bruce Springsteen? I saw him when he was in Indy back in the 80s. Was it Market Square? Probably at that w- point, yeah. Wore me out. Really? Yes. Two, two best concerts ever were him, and we saw, I saw Tina Turner with the wife in uh, – at Deer Creek, and she just she just again wears you out with her energy. Yeah, the the entertainment aspect of these artists, like even if you don't love the music, just watching them as performers, I think is always something that has stood out to me. Again, that is why Jake is out. He did is, he bring uh, Kravitz home with him? Well, yeah, and, and you know what? You've spent a lot of uh, trips with Bob Kravitz. Do, uh, would you've had any advice to Jake before last night? Get a six pack for the road. <laughs> They, which they might have done. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to go no comment. I, I might throw Shane Steichen no, no, no comment at you for that question. We could take that conversation off air, chap. Mike Chappell's with us, Fox 59, CBS 4. He's going to chat with us for about 15 minutes here on the other side. Again, Colts practicing indoors here on this Thursday morning. We'll do that on the other side. Kevin and Quarry here in Westfield. All right, we've got the GOAT with us. That would be one and only Mike Chappell, training camp number 44, Chap. We're going to head indoors today for practices. A lot of rain in the Indy area last night. They came out, inspected the fields, and we were out here right at the start of the show, Mark. Oh, yeah. Um, and they decided to head indoors today for practice. Chap, if you look at the news item from yesterday, reportedly an offer was made to Kareem Hunt. He decided to pursue, or, you know, whatever, leave Indy without accepting said offer. What does that offer say to you about the Jonathan Taylor situation? It's they're just trying to find a, 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 a reasonable running back. I mean, they brought in Kenyon Drake and – Kareem Hunt would – I never thought Kareem Hunt, the interest, was trying to put pressure on Jonathan Taylor. You're just trying to play in, in case, you know, the worst-case scenario, if he's not there for whatever a length of time, how do you get by for a month or whatever? And it, it certainly would be the short-term thing, but Kareem Hunt, he, he's doing like all players do. You're trying to find the best place. He'll probably sign and say, yeah, this, this, was, this was my best option. Well, it's because he got the most money. So it, it just kind of shows you that they want a veteran presence, but they certainly have a financial limit with how they're going to do it. Do you think given the Kareem Hunt story off the field, Jim Mercer's daughters would have to sign off on that? Oh, wouldn't? Certainly. But if that's the case, then, then they had to have signed off to have him come in here. So you think they signed off even for a visit? Well, from, from what we've heard that, he they they offered him a contract which he turned down so so that means that what what if he had taken taken the deal, so that's really really an awkward situation and everyone knows that in the NFL and in most sports, a tolerance for someone's off the field discretions rises with how good the player is, but some sometimes when when you stress horseshoe guys and character and. And when it's when it's you know the if you call it alleged, I mean he was suspended for eight games for personal conduct, but when the video came out, what what he did, 
it, it's there. It's part, it's part of your resume. And I would think at some level you should, it, there should be a line you won't cross, but when, when you need help at certain positions, you, you accept the, the baggage that comes with them. I think that's why it was so surprising, though, because Kevin went over that there was like 162 other running backs that had a better yards per carry than Hunt. Yeah, 3.8 why, 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 last year. Why even bring that baggage in? There's obviously plenty of guys still available on the open market. It just seemed like a weird suggestion to even bring them in. Yeah, it, it's, it's the risk-reward. Is, is it worth it? Uh, I, I would mention Chris Lehman's, the cornerback. The, the which what he's he's uh, was it three games for personal? Yeah, he contact? was involved in the Alvin Kamara incident right. in Vegas earlier this and, year. And he they knew they knew when they signed him that that incident was there, and they had to anticipate a suspension. and And this isn't like this is a potential starting cornerback. He's he's primarily been a special teams guy. So you just wonder the risk reward. You know, with with ninety players, you're going to have smudges on, on, on resumes, but you, I, I, sometimes I wonder if it's worth it PR-wise, even in this case player-wise, with what they bring. Again, they, they have to anticipate Jonathan Taylor being here, but you have to plan for him not to be here, and I think that's what that was. Okay, Mike Chappell's with us here, Fox 59, CBS 4. We are live in Westfield. The Colts are going to be practicing indoors here in about 40 minutes. I think we're reaching a point, Chap, here of like the Colts and or Taylor have got to start showing their cards, whether they want to speak on it or not. I think you're starting to see actions and whether that's Kenyon Drake, whether that's an offer for Kareem Hunt, to me, those are some actions. Taylor now off site. That's an action. You know, we'll hear from Jim Irsay, or I should say Greg Rakesraw. We'll probably hear from Jim Irsay theoretically a week from Saturday, as Jim typically makes that annual preseason trip to the broadcast booth during their home preseason game. What is next in all of this what, what is it taylor returning is it him coming off the pup list i, I guess what, what are you waiting for next yeah he has to clear to me he has to clear his physical and practice uh i i didn't view him not being here and, and practicing and, and rehabbing offside as anything but but a step back i mean that that's his that's when's the last time you can remember that a player let alone the offensive cornerstone for a team rehabbing elsewhere i i, I can't remember maybe it's happened but i don't remember it it's not a good sign when you go offside a month before the what, season what, started what's that telling your team i don't trust your your medical staff i mean i, I don't know how else you read it and i'm not sure what the, I, I assume the team could have said no you're not you're going to stay here but they didn't want to take defcon three to defcon two and so you you know I, from what i heard that they, they knew this was coming but again what are you going to do are you going to draw a line in the sand but at some time, or at some point, like you said, you have to. At some point, you have to know: is he going to be here? And if he is, what's what's his what's his his mindset going to be? Is he all in? I remember talk. I talked to Edger and James uh, ten days ago, and he said that he wanted a new contract too that year, didn't get it, and then he came in and just balled out, mm-hmm. and then got what he could from Arizona. But at some point, something's got to move. And I'm not talking a player moving off-site to rehab. I don't know how, when you get another step down the road, when the team is convinced that you're healthy enough to practice, how do you force that player to practice? So does that mean an arbitration? Does that mean a grievance from Taylor? Does the NFLPA step in? I don't know. Like you said, whenever someone has to talk, I wish JT would talk. Because we're getting all the innuendos and, and you know, half-truths or whatever you want to call it. And, and he could clear up everything. 
when we were talking to Shane Steichen the other day, which he talked more about Taylor than he had ever, only because we kept asking questions. But I asked him, I said, is this the same ankle that he hurt back in, in you know, last year and get the surgery? And he said he's got an ankle. Well, everything, the Indy Star reported that that surgery takes rehab is, what, two to four weeks, six right, weeks? Right. We're, we're seven, aren't we seven months in? Yeah. So is this the same ankle? Is this something else he did? Uh, and until you get some, some, some clarity from the team or from Taylor, you just don't know. And it's not even that he's off-site. He's out of state, is he not? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's out of state doing this rehab as well, is he not? He's not in Beach Grove. So yeah. I, 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 so, it, 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 again, going off site. Not the Ursa YMCA downtown. <laughs> yeah, he's up, at, he's up at Jimmy's at the uh, at the hockey rink. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's not a good sign when you're away. It's just, it's just the message is I trust my people. I don't trust your people. Right. And teams always want hands-on players. It's fine to go and get, you know, when you have an injury to go get a second opinion, or get your own guy to do the surgery. But to go rehab, I don't make too much out of it, but when you go rehab away from the team, it's just not a good sign. Mm -hmm. I know that the injury, and very understandably, is such the dominant topic with Taylor right now, but let's put that to the side for just a second. Do you think the Colts would still have the stance they, they seemingly have right now in not wanting to give him a contract extension if he were healthy? If he were practicing, do you think Jonathan Taylor would be under contract past the 2024 season? No, from what they said, no. They, I mean, Jimmy said they were, they were waiting till the end of the season to address it. I thought that. So why the change then? Is that Shane Steichen? I, you know, I've I've, I took a, I've wondered that. I mean, up until you know when when we left it, when the season was over, everything was talking about. You know, we're, we're going to look at Michael Pittman. We're going to you know we need to get JT extended. It was all positive and moving forward, and then it changed. I don't know that the injury would have changed it because. You know, it was a, it was a relatively minor surgery. I wonder the Shane Steichen influence. Did he come in and when he gets eyes on this entire roster, did did he say, you know, this is really a a quality running back, but I believe you can you can get by with mid level talent, which I would argue not. But but maybe he doesn't want to you know sink fourteen fifteen million dollars a year into a running back. What, what they had uh, was at Miles Sanders last year in Philly, 1,200 yards, and they don't re-sign him. Now, that's not Shane Steichen, but most teams, it seems like, don't think they need that guy. So Is that an important text, by the way? It sounds like the aliens are arriving. It, it, uh-huh. It's probably yeah. my uh, stepdaughter telling me, yeah, my, my, kids, my grandkids got to school today, so everything's good. First day? First day. Let's man, go. Man. Uh, uh, Mount Vernon area. So Nice. So yeah, I I think that's a very good question on on is, is the Shane Steichen did he change the temperature or not? Because until until we got really to camp, it was all positive on, on what they were doing with Taylor. So I I'm curious how this goes. Somebody's got to blink, and, and whether the team takes that next step to say we think you're you're ready to practice, and he says no, then it gets really dicey. I want to switch. The other side of the field, someone who is surprisingly out there and has been out there quite a bit is Shaq Leonard. Preseason opener coming up. Do you think he should get reps? And if so, how much? Rip. I, I, I would like to see him take a, a hit or two in, in a game. It, it, it'll be the last box he needs to check. I've been stunned how much he's practiced in, in up here. They never gave us any indication 
when we talked to Chris Ballard, it was like the, sort of they're going to ease him in, and he didn't say pitch count, but that's what I thought. And he's been out there. He's done everything. Like Kevin's mentioned, uh, he, he's done everything. Uh, contact, 11-11. The last thing is to, is to really take some contact when things aren't controlled and you've got to react and move. Maybe they think they can get that done in the joint practices with the Bears in, in, in Philly. I would just – I remember talking to Edger with this because he hated preseason games. I just never wanted the first hit on the quarterback or the receiver to be in a game where it mattered. So, so a bunch of a bunch of a bunch of uh, reps, no. Some reps, a rep or two, yes. I, I wouldn't mind seeing it. A UFO landing here <laughs> in Westfield. I've here. turned it down, any, and it just any minute. You know, you can go conspiracy theories with us here, chap. You know that, that, that the government does have aliens. We've been that told. always draws a big audience. So, uh, Mike Chapel's with us here, Fox Fifty Nine, CBS Four. Uh, Sean McDermott, uh, Buffalo Bills head coach, having a press conference this morning. Uh, the announcement there is most of the Bills starters will play Saturday. Now he does say Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs will not play. I don't think we're too shocked by that. Uh, starters expected to play around a quarter. Chep, that's a that's a change from last year in the preseason opener. Buffalo, that was the opponent for Indy last year in the preseason opener. They did not play their starters. Um, if you had to guess, what would you say starting playing time from Shane Steichen and the starters come Saturday? I, I – and, and the one that matters is Richardson. Sure. Let, let, let's let's first go starters, and then we'll go Richardson. A, a, a series or two for starters, it, and it, not all of them. I mean, you know, we're not we're not going to see DeForest Buckner until we, September. We, yeah, and Buckner's banged up right now. Right. But do you think we see Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, those guys for a full quarter? If you're going to play Richardson, yes. So yes, I, I think again, whether it's I think it's it's not so much quarters as it is plays. You know, let's say you say two series and you get two, three and out, then they played six snaps. That's not enough. I, I think it's. I think a lot of it's going to going to center on how much does a rookie quarterback play. And if you know, all we've heard is he needs reps. He needs reps. Well, if you're going to put him out there, you 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 almost have to start him because you're going to go out there with the first unit. You're not going to put Anthony Richardson out there with the number two defense. You're just or the number two offense. You're just not. So I think he plays, Richardson starts with, with the first group, and then whether it's 10 plays, 12 plays, 20 plays, I would think there's a chance there's more playing time in this game for Richardson than there might be in the last two preseason games because, again, you've got those two practices with the Bears, and we've seen how little starters play after joint workouts, and then you get the Philly one. Now, maybe Richardson's different because, again, every, every game – he'll see something different. You know, he'll see something different Saturday. He'll see something different when the Bears are in here. He'll see something different than in the game against the Bears. He needs to play. But if you're going to play your your rookie quarterback, it seems to me that needs to be with the starting offense. Not necessarily the running back, of course, or, or the receivers, but the offensive line. And we could argue they need to play too. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean it's not, not like they, they earned – you know, a pass on, on not playing much. And, and the fact that they've played, they've been together for every every rep. Has, has every some, single starting has, rep. Has anybody else been in there at all? No. Well, and that's that's encouraging, except that was the case last year. Yeah. You know, so so they need they need to prove, they need to prove that they're that they're back or, or just about back. But so much will be on Richardson, how much he plays. I think he plays some. He needs to play some. Yeah, you know, I said this. Um, earlier in the week, chap, you think back to last year's preseason opener, and I get hindsight's twenty twenty, but your O line 
played in that game and had some issues, whether it was false starts, whether it was protection, whether it was trying to convert in sh- short yardage against Buffalo's second unit. So you hate to read too much into these preseason games, but we did see some splintering in that preseason opener. Um, okay, I tossed this question to Stephen Holder yesterday, and I apologize to him, and I apologize to you because there's some numbers involved. Twelve quarters in the preseason, okay, so three games. If I set the over-under of four and a half quarters, Anthony Richardson will play. Would you say over or under? Ooh, that's my Ball State education. That's 33% of the plays. Is that right? <laughs> well, I don't know. I went four and a half of the 12. Uh, I, I would say over. That's a game. That's, I'd say over. I'd say over because he, he, needs, he needs snaps. And you, you can protect him. Now, you said he needs starting snaps. I, I would be well, okay if the second – yeah, I mean, you would ideally see him with the first unit, but I'm not going to sit here and act like Quentin Nelson's going to play as many snaps as Anthony Richardson. True, that's in true. The, in the three preseason. And, and at some point you need to see what you've got depth-wise, which I don't think any of us knows what they have depth-wise on the offensive line. He, 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 again, I, th- I think the starting offensive line needs to play Richard, – I'd say in this first game, if, if it's me the first game, I've, I've got Richardson out there – with the first unit, when they're done, they're done. The last two games, he still needs to play. And I don't, I'm not sure I would expose my offensive line the last two games when we don't know who the backups are. So I, I would ease that. But I think the first game, I would really want him out there with, with, with Quentin and Kelly and Braden and all those guys. Mike Chappell joining us. What, Kev, what, what did St- Steven say? Over or under? I think he said over. Yeah, I thought he said slightly over. And again, he I mean, would go over. He doesn't know if the Colts will go over, I think is what I he said. I mean, you get to four and a half. I mean, right there you're thinking, okay, is that one and a half quarters you know, per game? Right. You know, when you break it down like that, that's a decent chunk. I, I know maybe four and a half out of 12 doesn't sound like a lot, but. And do you really need to see what you have in Gardner Minshew or Sam Ellinger? Or, you know, at this point, I mean I Ellinger, no. But you know, I, I think there would be an argument if you're going to play Minshew. Which again, I don't. I think right now Richardson is the Week One starter. I don't say that with a ton of confidence, but that's my guess. Um, but if you're obviously going to play Minshew, then you know you would want him to get those reps with some of those important guys. Well, who, who of the quarterbacks gets some of those reps at the end of the preseason? I would hope it's Ellinger. Anthony Richardson. No, I'm. I'm well, I, I, you mean who plays the most of the three right. by the end of it? Ellinger, yeah, won't he? Because yeah. you do get into those second halves of preseason yeah. games. I, I don't know if we've entered a preseason chap where, A, we've cared so much about preseason playing time, and I think understandably, and B, it's such an unknown. And you just laid out some of the reasons why. You have these joint sessions leading into two of the three preseason games. Past precedent says you don't play starters very right. much at all after the joint sessions. But again, new head coach, four-win football team, and a quarterback that has – Tons of inexperience. And, and everything that we've seen so far in practice with Richardson, I, I guess impressed is the right word. I don't know. I've not been disappointed. But we've not really seen what he can do because it's still a controlled – Yeah. You know, He's got the red jersey on. Right. And, and you can see the arm strength. But, but what about when he, when he does unleash the run part of it? You really can't see in practice what that means. You know, does he break a tackle? Does he elude things? It's not quite the same. That's what's really going to be interesting. Again, like I said, everything he does from going forward will be new to him, which is a good thing. 
Mike Chappell joining us here live at Grand Park. Again, practice for the Colts moved indoors today due to the rainfall we got last night. So that is indoors, or 750 people allowed to get into that one. Uh, by the way, I saw that they've already passed out all those wristbands. Oh, okay. So if you were planning to come up, try to get a wristband at whatever, 940, something like that. Unfortunately, it looks like you're going to be out of luck. Okay. Uh, Chap, who's been the most impressive player you've seen in camp so far? Ooh, uh, I like Alec Pierce. He's played well. Uh when nobody jumps out at me, and KB sort of looks, has got a better eye for that. Anybody? Yeah, I thought, you know, Kenny Moore had a really strong and first now, week or so, and now he's been a little bit banged up. Um, he would be someone, I mean, you obviously mentioned just in general the quantity of what Shaquille Leonard's done. I think now we can get into the quality of it, but I would say the quantity has stood out to me. So those would be a couple of names. Now, you know, again, once we get into – Joint practices, you know, that's a better idea of, okay, how does your offensive line look? How does, how does Bernard Ryman hold up? Sure, and, sure, right. sure, sure. Yeah, so I think that'll be a little I, I, I wish I'd seen more so far from, from the outside pass rushers, which I, I haven't I would no, agree. I haven't noticed Quiddy. I haven't noticed Dial that much. Yeah, Ebukam missed a week with he a missed, hamstring injury. And, and those are your guys. Yeah. I did something today about the, the cornerbacks, and we talked to Gus Bradley know, a week or so ago about defenses predicated on coverage and pressure and you've got unknown at both mm -hmm. you've got you know so many young guys at corner and you don't know who or where the the consistent outside pressure I, buck's gonna get his eight or nine sacks because he always does but who who gets who gets the outside pressure you know when, when you lose in even though i thought his nine and a half sacks were extremely misleading last year but who gives you that pass rush and i don't think they know Jeff, I said this to Daryl Baker Jr. Maybe I waited till he was off air to say it, but we had him on to lead off the show today. You know, if they go to play tomorrow, that nickel group, which is on the field for a lot, is Kenny Moore, Daryl Baker, and Dallas Flowers. Daryl Baker's never played defensive snap in the NFL, and Dallas Flowers hadn't played defensive snap until last Christmas. The so last, the last four games when everybody was hurt, right? That's when he played, right? A good amount, but you've got – I mean, think about it. I would argue, Chap, in NFL history, it is probably extremely rare to have two undrafted free agents at corner who barely played, if at all, in year one, all of a sudden in year two, ascend to these roles. But I guess that's what happens when you trade Gilmore, you don't re-sign Brandon Faison, obviously the Isaiah Rogers situation, and then Juju Brents and Darius Rush have really struggled to be on the field here in the offseason. Yeah, again, the stat that just – killed me I, I i checked it three times seven of their 10 corners entered the league undrafted really is that's, it that high that's crazy wow. must be a first the only three draft picks are this year's draft picks. and they're all rookies hmm. right the three draft picks are all rookies right so, wow. so it, it's it's just kind of crazy and you know i understand you know because chris ballard told us yeah we decided we're going to go young now again isaiah rogers really threw a monkey wrench into because he was going to be one of the starters probably he and Juju Brents, they they keep pushing Dallas Flowers, but like you said, he was their kick returner. He was a core special teams player until all the corners got hurt. Uh, and, and again, this is a passing league, and boy, quarterbacks, they find your weak link. And I, until he, he, let's say Juju Brents, I, I think I still think he's a starter. He'll have he's got a month. He's got time to get ready, but. But time is ticking. No, and you need you need three or four guys for, because of the way teams played. I mean, corners. 
And, you know, w- what if they miss Kenny Moore again? What, what, what if this ankle thing lingers? Right now it's hard to tell because in, in camp, if you've got something, they really err on the side of caution. The, the, the youthfulness and inexperience uh, of the corners, I, I think the group has 15 interceptions and Kenny Moore has 14 of them. So it's just – it's one thing to rely on this guy or that guy to emerge as, as a rookie or, or an unknown guy. But you're, you're going to expect three or four of these guys to, to do something they haven't done to this point. Phil Yates coming up, Mark. Yeah, he's coming up shortly. Ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Chap, thank you for the time. We appreciate My it. My pleasure. I know the alarm clock was probably one you wanted to snooze a little 650 bit 6.50 wake-up calls for me. That's that's normal for you, but not for me. On this Thursday morning. Yeah, I don't know if you want to be. 6.50 late for you. <laughs> I don't know if Kevin. you want to be uh, compared to the Jake Query sleeping patterns, but you and Jake are very similar. I, st- your, I stay up till 12.30, 1 o'clock and get up around 8.30. What are you watching post 10 p.m.? Just stuff. I channel surf and I play on my phone. So no, it's just that's just my pattern now. Okay, I got you. And our Reds, boy, they're tanking, aren't they? Oh, mm-hmm. Man, breaks my heart. Uh, Mark, Mark's a great story Mark's while, while it lasted, man. Yeah, I know, I know. We'll, we'll always have June, chap. We'll always have June. <laughs> Mike Chapel, CBS Four, Fox Fifty Nine, with us here live at Colts Camp. Thanks, chap. Thank you. Uh, indoors for Colts practice again coming up at. 10 o'clock here, just three sessions left after today's practice. And, Mark, on the other side, we'll have Field Yates from ESPN. Yep, Field Yates joins us. We'll get some national thoughts on him and also some fantasy talk as well. I got some fantasy questions for him. We'll do that next. Field Yates from ESPN joins us to round out the show. Kevin and Query here live from Westfield. Round out this Thursday here at Colts training camp in Westfield then with one of our favorites from ESPN he is the one and only Field Yates Field it's kind of crazy to sit here and think here we are August 10th one month from today we will be fully entrenched getting ready to be entrenched I should say with our first NFL Sunday of the regular season I guess the juice is flowing just hearing that. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just thinking about it already. I'm fired up. i got to start thinking about what I'm going to have for breakfast that morning so that I can carb a load for about 12 hours of football that day. That's my idea of a marathon. None of this 26.2 miles. We settle instead for, what, 13 football games in one glorious Sunday. Yeah, I, my marathon's consisting of carbs and, and, and football. That sounds like something I can yeah. certainly achieve. Um, all right, obviously the biggest storyline here of Colts training camp field surrounding number 28, and that would be Jonathan Taylor and his situation, whether it's health, whether it's contract. Um, what do you make of how this has played out in a very public manner? Yeah, first of all, like uh, I don't want to sound like a like maybe just like a fanboy, but it makes me a little bit sad, guys, because uh, not that it's ever a good situation when uh, an organization or at least the owner uh, and a player are at odds publicly, but uh, it certainly is a little bit different when it's you know, arguably the face of the franchise or at least on the short list of faces of the franchise. I mean, two years ago, we're talking about one of the most dynamic seasons from a running back over the past decade. I keep thinking about the hard knocks clip, uh, the in-season hard knocks, when Chris Ballard uh, talked about how this is one of the five best playmakers, regardless of position, on offense in the NFL. I think this was kind Mm -hmm. of in the construct of, like, are we going to eventually pay this guy, knowing that running backs are a bit trickier than wide receivers, uh, as we have talked about endlessly over the past month or so. And 
um, it's a bad look for, I would say, everybody. I don't know that I can necessarily uh, assign a, a certain percentage of blame uh, to one side or the other. I would just say that it's so rare for teams to make family business public that generally speaking, I think it's just a bad look when uh, the team sort of uh, amplifies the chaos. So um, I don't I don't know if Jim Irsay has regret, but I certainly would have some regret about both the tweets and the on-the-record comments uh, about running backs and the way that they deserve to be paid right now because I don't think it did a whole lot of good for himself, uh, for Chris Ballard, a first-year head coach, a rookie quarterback, a player in Jonathan Taylor who, by all accounts, and certainly you guys could tell me if I'm wrong or corroborate this, feels like exactly the kind of player that you want as a potential face of your franchise. Don't think you're wrong there. Field, a uh, question for you. Do you think the – have you heard from any players or coaches around the league regarding this Jonathan Taylor situation? And if so, what have they said about it? Yeah, it's, it's funny. You know, part of my job is, uh, is going out and, like, seeking comments and opinion when things take place around the NFL. Um, and then there are times where it just comes right to you. And I heard probably the most from front office people right after everything went – I'd say the trade request slash some of the comments from Jim Irsay – Uh, became public and even the tweet and the sentiment was i tell you what if this guy is actually plausibly tradable the owner just did a real disservice to the general manager made the job a lot harder i'll tell you that much because uh you know we always say what's the most important thing in a trade it's leverage right you want to have the leverage and you're trying to find somebody who lacks the leverage or at least is willing to you know take some sort of uh compens or give you some sort of compensation that makes it worth your while so i think that's uh, with the Colts, like I'm, I'm not, you know, leverage it does still exist in the sense that Jonathan Taylor is a really good player, and a team might be desperate enough to trade a pick. But uh, the idea that this guy could be sold or could be traded at peak value, I think, went by the wayside uh, the minute that Jim Irsay opened his uh, his his mouth slash uh, the Twitter app or the X app right now. So, how do you see this Jonathan Taylor situation playing out? You know, I have asked, and, it, it, there, and I always tell people that the, uh, the opinions of a few are not the opinions of the consensus. Um, I always think about that during the draft process when you hear from people that say, you know, this guy stinks or this, this guy's the best running whatever it might be. Uh, I always tell people, though, that – so, so I, I try to, like, stop short of saying that, like, a few people's opinion is definitely representative of what's going to happen. I have heard from people that have felt like there is a possible market for Jonathan Taylor in a trade, even if the Colts have made it clear they have no intention of executing such a trade. I just think that the reality is Indianapolis is going to have to make a decision is if the bottom line in this potential trade is maximizing compensation, you have to accept that that probably went out the window uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, If the bottom line is to get just anything in return, like something sufficient um, and sort of uh, turn the page on this, then it's plausible. I I just, I still think push comes to shove. The most likely scenario is kind of what happened in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Uh, Even if there is a trade request, even if you have the chance to survey the market, sometimes the best scenario is just finding a way to patch the relationship back together. And, the Colts can do that um, probably by paying Jonathan Taylor what he wants. You have to make a decision fundamentally if that's the best way to build your roster, given the fact that we've seen how teams have devalued the running back position. At the same time, if you feel like maybe the time to do that is when you have a running back who still has plenty of good football ahead 
and you've got a quarterback who is on a rookie contract, which does change the dynamics for your roster. Maybe that's the way that this gets smoothed over, and um, you can't let emotions dictate every decision, but it feels like until there's some sort of resolution with Jonathan Taylor, it almost feels like the rest of the franchise is in like a state of suspended time. Field, I, I don't want to spend the entire segment on Jonathan Taylor. And by the way, Field Yates is with us. Uh, obviously, you see him all over ESPN, the Fantasy Focus. We'll, we'll chat a little fantasy football with him as well. But I trust your you know national brain so much on this that I, I want to ask what you think possible compensation would look like. Let's say there is a multiple-team market out there for Jonathan Taylor. We saw Christian McCaffrey, a second, a third, a fourth, and a future fifth last year. Again, he was under contract for several more years. He brings that third down hybrid presence. So I know it's not apples to apples, but what do you think a potential trade package would look like for Jonathan Taylor? I don't know if this is because we've seen trades that have had conditions executed uh, recently. Obviously, the Carson Wentz trade is one of them. We have the Aaron Rodgers trade. But that seems to be the consistent theme is that it's been all over the board. I've had teams that have told me, hey, listen, if I'm going to trade a guy and have to pay him $18 million a year, I've had people in front offices say, like, I'm not giving more than a fourth-round pick. You're paying double freight there, right? The draft pick plus the contract. And I'm not even sure the contract is the right way to go, given the fact that running backs these days are so replaceable. I've had others that have told me, hey, if you want this guy bad enough, uh, because you think he is the, the over-the-top piece, the guy that can take you from good to great or great to elite, elite to the Super Bowl favorite, it's got to be something like a third-round pick with conditions. If this guy, uh, if, if Jonathan Taylor rushes for 1,500 yards or if Jonathan Taylor and the team that he gets traded to make it to the conference championship game, whatever the conditions are, maybe you're willing to boost things up to a second-round pick. I've not heard a first-round pick, which should be a surprise to absolutely nobody. And because I've, I've asked the same question that you just presented about, like, how does the Christian McCaffrey trade factor into things? And the reality was that it uh, was a much more unique situation. We were in the middle of the season, so your, your, your clock was a little shorter. Uh, beyond that, the 49ers did feel like um, when, in acquiring Christian McCaffrey, they were kind of getting him at a bit of a value because of the fact that for the, I believe it was, three years remaining for CMC, maybe four years, uh, three and a half, I guess, based off of when he was traded last year. It was like a three and a half year for like $36, $37 million, which is probably different than what I think Jonathan Taylor would want right now over the next three to four years, right? He's probably looking for $15, $16 million per year to be paid as the highest paid running back uh, in the NFL. Um, I, I, I think that the Colts um, – probably need to be maybe fans more so than the team because they're they're aware of the landscape. Um, I think probably prepared for like less than what you might think when you, if you had, you know, three months ago in a bar mentioned the idea of trading Jonathan Taylor in, in a group of friends. Like you'd be thinking, you know, full freight, I want the moon, right? I want a great young player and picks. Now I think the, uh, the landscape is decidedly different, both because of the nasty public nature of the situation and then also the fact that, the running back market is just so not exactly sure what the word is right now other than devalued. But you've got great players that are or guys that have had great careers that are still available on the free agent market in part because they're waiting for that big contract to come, and I'm not so sure it's anything close to inevitable. 
It's Kevin and Query on 93.5107.5 The Fan. ESPN Fields Yates joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline Field. I do want to switch a little over to fantasy football. We got leagues starting up. You do the fantasy focus as well. I have one more Jonathan Taylor question regarding that, though. Given his unknown status, I mean, he's pretty high up on draft boards, is he not? And uh, what should players – what should uh, – players of fantasy football do when it comes to Jonathan Taylor as far as projections and drafting him? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so I actually uh, recently did an update to my rankings, and there was a time where I think I had Jonathan Taylor sixth or seventh overall, regardless of position. Um, he's now down to 19, and I mm. think what you have to do is be prepared for anything. Um, this has shades of where we've been with players in recent uh, off-seasons, Le'Veon Bell uh, was one where the year that he ended up sitting out, uh, there was a time where people were thinking to themselves, all right, if I take him you know, first or second overall, I could be burning that pick on fire. But if he slides to pick 25, I could have you know, the biggest seal in the history of fantasy football. And so if uh, you're drafting now and you, you get Jonathan Taylor at pick 19 or 22 or 25 or something like that and fences are mended or he gets traded somewhere and has a chance to be that lead back, which – if I'm trading for Jonathan Taylor, I'm only doing so to make him my workhorse for at least 2023, then you might well have the steal of the draft. The hard part is I try to tell people frequently that in most cases, most, not all, but in most cases, the first round or two of your fantasy draft, it's hard to win the league because there are so many good players that go in that first two rounds, but it's easier to lose your league because if there are you know 17 or 18 of the top 20 picks that pay off, and you grab one of the two or three that don't, you've set your roster back in a pretty significant way. All right, Field, last one. We can't thank you enough for the time here on this Thursday morning. Again, Field Yates, see him all over ESPN uh, and the Fantasy Focus. I am one of the worst fantasy football owners you will ever meet. My teams are horrific on an annual basis. I need two to three Field Yates-related core beliefs entering my upcoming draft. Oh, wow. First of all, we're going to change your luck. I got a feeling on that. My core beliefs are pretty simple here. Is One is like use your late round picks. Like call it rounds eight or nine and beyond. And just like always think about the players that if the best case scenario hits, can win the league for you, right? Like, you know, a guy that you think has a real chance. I'm not trying to uh, – like last year – or a couple of years ago when T.Y. Hilton was at like sort of the latter stages of his Colts career, you kind of knew what he represented, right? Like the days of him being a top five or top eight receiver are probably gone. He could be a really serviceable, serviceable player. Instead, you want to say to yourself, all right, I'm going to draft Alex Pierce in the 13th round because, well, I don't know exactly what he's going to look like in year two. Maybe he makes a leap and Anthony Richardson becomes, you know, this star quarterback in a hurry. So always swing for the fences in the later rounds. You know, if you're only doing one draft, I do think there is some comfort in having a running back on your roster early. And then, you know, last year this didn't necessarily pay off, but I do believe that uh, waiting for a quarterback can really pay some dividends. You know, you can draft a guy like Patrick Mahomes, 15th overall, and he'll be great, no two ways. But, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert are going to have great seasons as well. And Trevor Lawrence is going like 75th right now and on average in ESPN drafts. So, uh, it's it's value-based drafting is what we talk about all the time. So that would be a big one to keep in mind as you get ready for your draft here. Field, we appreciate the time as always. Thank you for joining us. We'll use those for our drafts coming up. Field Yates, uh, ESPN's Field Yates joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. It's Kevin and Query out at Grand Park. We'll let you go. We'll talk to you Friday morning at 7 a.m.